got numbers. Hey, we got numbers. It's the Cleveland Moto Podcast, episode number 445. Light them up, boys. Nice. And I'm still drinking Christmas. I'll take that. Nice, nice, baby. It is. So um, we posted... Uh, we'll do the roll call first. To my immediate left, Chris Smith. And to his immediate left, Steve Sleepy. And to his left, Johnny Mack. And stereo right, Pete Huffley. And behind the bar, Tom Pennington. Hey, here we are. Uh, so I dropped a one from the vault. Mm-hmm. And the one from the vault that I dropped was Mark McDermott, mm-hmm. our former mechanic, rest in peace, his first time on a podcast. Nice. And Mark. If you are not a person that picks up the episodes off of Buzzsprout or anything else, please go back and listen to this podcast that that we dropped. Because Mark is one of the nicest human beings. He's just a sweet, sweet man. And he's talking about a project bike that he's going to build. Now, he didn't live long enough to finish the project bike. okay, mm. But he got pretty far into it. Yep. And we have that project bike in our warehouse. Oh, cool. So uh, it's a very interesting podcast because of that. He also doles out some really good information about like, you know, people that are trying to get an old bike running again and stuff. And it's just prime Cleveland moto shit because everything's got an eye towards saving a couple of bucks. Mm-hmm. And everything's very real. I mean, it's very much like, yeah, you know, people bring me these bikes and I got to work on them and the whole deal. And that particular podcast, that episode, is when we were transitioning the Lakewood store from being Pride of Cleveland Scooters into Cleveland Moto. Mm, okay. We'd already run the Mentor store as Cleveland Moto for a few years because Cleveland Mentor store was always Cleveland Moto. Motorcycles with a hint of scooters. Mm-hmm. But the Lakewood store was always a lot of scooters with some motorcycles. Mm-hmm. And when we added Mark to our arsenal of mechanics uh he was another one of these guys he just he you cut him he bled motorcycles Mm -hmm. and just a really great blast from the past to listen to him talk and to the advice he gave was all very good advice and you could hear that you know you could hear that that was just his thing uh you know before uh you know (laughs) after he passed Mm -hmm. We'd ended up with one of his motorcycles, which was a, a Honda CB500 four-cylinder that was gold. The paint, the frame was painted gold, <laughs> and it was like a Dresden-style cafe racer, mm-hmm. and a black and gold, and he called the bike Gold Member. <laughs> and, I mean, it did not have anything it didn't need. It did not have an ignition circuit. It had a switch, right? This was truly a budget-built bike. You could hear this bike coming at about a half mile to three-quarters of a mile, Uh I've always thought Honda four cylinders were not loud bikes to begin with. You know, the, the way they're built, they're just not real loud. He somehow made his louder than it should have been. It's called a four and a one with, was, a, uh, with an exhaust, turned down exhaust tip only, no yeah, muffler. So here's to Mark. Here's to Mark McDermott. If you get a yeah. chance to listen to that podcast, I think, drink I think you'll really like it because <laughs> a lot of the good soul that he was came through in that podcast, uh, being that it was his first one, right? Mm. And so I put a little link in there because a lot of the footage, the video footage from the TV show that he had us do, the sizzle reel and the stuff that we did, where we had live bands coming in and playing and stand-up comics and the whole deal. Dirt's Garage. Dirt's Garage was a fantasy for him, like a dream that he wanted to put together to have a a TV show and a couple of episodes filmed in his garage. And what none of us knew at the time, that he was like coming up and saying, hey, can you do this for me? Can you help me with that? Can you put this together for me? 
None of us knew that that was part of his exit strategy. That that filming those episodes was part of his exit strategy. And once we got together and we filmed a few of these things, and I mean, they went, they ran the spectrum from shit show to quality entertainment. <laughs> they did. Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, we had live bands coming in. We had, you know, Telltale Signs come in. We had uh, Thunder Falcon Chicken Hawk come in and really put in some tremendous... Uh, 45 Spider, mm-hmm. with its original lineup, came in and just threw down hard in a garage in North Olmster, North Royalton. Mm-hmm. You'd never thought. Yeah. You just never would have thought. These dudes drove in from New York in a flat face Chevy 2 <laughs> van in a blizzard. Oh, good. In a blizzard. Nobody could get in his fucking driveway. And John's riding around a Trail 70 pulling a sled behind it. We all ate shit that day. Every single one of us got perfect faces full of snow. Bars. <laughs> I would have thought it was just a snow drift, but here it was a snow drift in a ditch. In a ditch. And I was like, Boof. Oh, I, mean, I ate shit right in the backyard hard. I feel like I was doing a handstand at one point before I... You, well, you were, doing, over. you were doing what they call the scorpion, mm. where your feet go back and touch your head. <laughs> it was, uh, but so when you listen to that podcast and you get to hear Mark, uh, it's pretty cool that we got that, that that exists. And it was great to put that on. Uh, so it was really fun to drop that episode. I got to listen to the whole thing again. And it was fun to listen to it again uh, 11 years later. So that was cool. And it was, wow, it was 11, re- 11, years. 11 years later. Wow. And it was recorded at the end of November. So we got a pop-up blizzard, you know, um, it was just a great, great audio. A lot of fun. A lot of fun doing it. Uh, so talking about selling other people's bikes, how is the grumpy sewer guy liquidation going? <laughs> well, it, it's humming right along. I mean, you know, one by one, we're knocking them down. Yeah. Uh, I've liquidated. We have a board that would equate to $32,000 worth of motorcycles and or vehicles. Right. Because vehicles are a part of that. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, Got rid of Lady Boy, or the we, that's the Asia Rockstar. I the call Kia Rockstar. Yeah, diesel, diesel, Jeep. Don't call it a Jeep. Don't call it a Jeep. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it is. I mean, it's Jeepish. <laughs> Lady Boy. I mean, I listed it as a Jeep. Because, I saw that. I mean, one guy was giving me shit like, mm-hmm. "How dare you? I worked for Jeep, and that's not a Jeep." You, you, you're, I'm like. Bro, I'm sorry. I've owned six Jeeps. Uh, It's the only thing I could list it as that anybody would recognize. By the way, looks like a Jeep. Sounds like a Jeep. It's a Jeep. This used uh, Facebook doesn't have a a, a, a model for that. Here's the question is, does it have transmission issues? That's actually, that's a very good point because it is a, not a Jeep. So because it is not a Jeep, it actually... Has no transmission well, issues. It gets excellent gas mileage, and they're, they're, it, therefore not a Jeep. It doesn't use gas. It's a diesel, not a Jeep. Right? It's a diesel. It has a diesel engine. It doesn't have transmission problems. It's not a Jeep. And and it this was a this was a Japanese domestic import that that Steve was like, Phil, I want this. Can you get it? And I was like, man, this thing is. Even the Japanese didn't know what to call it. Like the listing. After I got the documentation into the United States, after I imported this from Japan, and it had been through Japanese government, it had been through the customs, it had been through the American DOT and HTSA, what we were calling the car is not what the car was. And that's interesting because it shouldn't happen. It, it should be that in Japan, that thing has a serial number. It has a VIN. 
And if we look it up, it says what it is. And that's not necessarily... It's even weird that it came from Japan because those were made in South Korea, exported to the UK and Australia mostly. Not Japan. It was a left-hand drive, not a right-hand drive. No, it's a... The motor is a Mazda... It's a Mazda diesel motor. Tow lift motor. Yeah, it really is. Honestly, (laughs) it's a tow motor motor, right? It's a very weird car, but it's a South Korea Kia. And it's gone on to a nice owner out in Conneaut, Ohio, of all things. An older (laughs) man. Oh, you'll get to visit it. Older man and his wife. They have 24 acres out there. I was talking with him about the paint. I'm like, I don't think it's original paint. It looks like an okay job, but he's like, doesn't matter. I'm going to camo it out. Of course he is. It's going to be my hunting vehicle. Yeah. He was very interested in making sure that the top was there and that it would start in the cold. I'm I said, yeah, as it, far as it, I know, it's, it's always started. It's got a glow plug. I was about to say, plug, yeah, <laughs> plug that fucker in, man. Uh, It'll make a good hunting vehicle because animals can't smell diesel. <laughs> I told him that it has a a zero to 60, a 27 second zero to yeah. 60 time. It's yeah. slow as dog shit, has no power. Just right. so you know, I'm right. not pulling any punches. No. No. He drove it back to Conneaut. On the highway, I no assume. No way. They didn't pull him over for going too slow? Steve did do him the courtesy, at least driving it from Oberlin to Lakewood, like knocking yeah. a half hour off. Oh, he did? Well, yeah. 40, well an yeah. hour <laughs> off his trip. <laughs> <laughs> and that thing. But Steve did put, he put new tires on it, didn't he? Yeah, brand new set of 33s. Yeah. Or 31s. So it's proud. It looked beautiful. Looked as, it looked I mean, as good as anything's I'm, ever looked. I'm looking at tires for the, the dead guy Dodge right yeah. now. Oh, yeah. yeah. So those... That had to be fifteen, eighteen hundred bucks worth of tires. Man. Yeah, wasn't cheap. I don't, I don't know that Steve would pay that much, <laughs> but somehow, yeah, he put did put brand new tires. But there were brand on. new tires on it. Wow. It's one of those vehicles that just like if you are familiar with Jeeps, the Mitsubishi Jeeps that they sold out of Japan, the licensed you know Jeeps that bear the Jeep name legally, mm-hmm. but are manufactured by Mitsubishi legally for you know as Jeeps. Uh, they sold a shit ton of those in Japan. And they're just as rusty every time I look at one. Well, it, you know, depending on where they come from, yeah. you know. They can't be Cleveland rusty. I was going to say. Oh, I don't know. Every Mitsubishi Jeep I've ever seen on uh, B-Forward and the other one mm-hmm. you look at, every one of them has the same exact rust yeah. holes in the yeah. frame. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, that, that's not surprising to anybody. But the no. uh, but so the Transalp. So this is why we're because uh, coming you listen, back around a motorcycle. If you listen to this podcast, you will know that we have a fucking weird thing in this room for Pacific Coast eight hundreds and Honda Trans Alps. It's interesting you mentioned that, but we'll get to that later. Okay, that's yeah. So, who did you sell the Trans Alp to? Well, uh, like some of the items, it had, didn't go very far. Wait, Trans uh, Alp or the Africa Twin? The Trans Alp. Trans Alp. Oh, the Trans Alp. Okay. Stayed in the family. It stayed in the family. Uh, one of our podcasters, new to coming, returning to the podcast. Yeah. His, yeah. his brother was uh, jumped on it like a seagull on a French fry. And Tim's been <laughs> in the podcast before, so yeah. yeah. And Tim's Tim, been Tim's featured. Tim's always been into some quirky yeah. off oh. bikes, and uh, this one... Really I've had scratched I've, his itch. I have had the opportunity to ride that particular bike, and I was pretty impressed with it. I'm Absolutely. like, this is a pretty good bike. I mean, like, yep. fun to ride, just nice, light, nimble, but then, you know, torquey, has some power. I mean, it, it was, was good when I bought it. I fixed six or seven small issues. I handed it to Hoffert and said, I'm doing nothing with this. If you want to scratch your Transel bitch... Then Hoffert took it, and, and Hoffert fixed six or seven other issues. It only got better. The last time I rode it, it was fucking fantastic. Mm. It was the it was the best Transalp I had ever ridden, yeah. without a doubt. I mean, and they have to be really, really good because 
when I raced bicycles, all the major like like organizations that mm-hmm. put the bicycle races on, yeah, they use those for moto pacing. So like they were the guys running the track and the referees and stuff. It was a very competent on highway type bike. You yeah. Know? It's yeah. it's every bit the BMW F650 Fundero you'd ever want. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I gotta say, the only thing that ruined this bike for me was I got that TDM850, and I got the TDM850, and the TDA. The problem was, I had been hunting for a Transalp for ages, and the TDM850 showed up before the Transalp did. So I got the TDM, and I was rocking the TDM around, and I really, really liked that. And then when I rode the Transalp, I hadn't ridden a Transalp in a very long time. So then I was like, oh, okay, all right. So compared to the TDM, the Transalp was not as exciting. Well, it shouldn't have been because it's different. You know, V-twins. They're spectacularly boring, but spectacularly competent yeah. and dependable. Yeah, that's... that's <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah. It doesn't do anything really it's, well, but it does everything yeah. pretty, pretty darn good. And it's a comfortable bike. It's dependable. What is it, the XR650L? It does everything. Yeah, but this does it better because it's a V twin. Yeah. So yeah. and then, I think the day I wrote it, I was riding my FT five hundred Ascot, and so jumping on that was like, oh, that oh that's a big way deal. better, you know? Yeah, yeah. You you got blessed. You got visited by the Torque Fairy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a good thing! So I'm so happy Tim got that. Yeah. So he picked it up a week ago today, last Friday. Okay. And then he texted me last night that uh, well, he tore it down immediately, and uh, it had a little. Uh, Idle issue. He cleaned yeah. the carbs out, dumped all the old gas out, put new gas in, yep. blah, blah, blah. Got it back together. And here in Cleveland this week, for the listeners out there, it's been like summer weather. It's been like yeah. mid to yeah. high 60s the last three days. So yeah. he, he wanted to get it on the road before the shitstorm of weather came in today, which it did. That's which it did. <laughs> um, so he got it on the road last night, and he, he said he just went up and down the road on it. And he, he texted me. He's like, I forgot what it was like to ride a real bike. Because he said this is the first bike he's ridden over like 300 cc's in 25 years. It's true. Wow. Yeah. It's absolutely wow. true, right? Because yeah. your brother has had a small displacement uh, menagerie. Corral. A corral, a menagerie of... I thought you were going to say small displacement uh, fetish. Also true. But he likes small motorcycles also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. So the, I think the Transalp is going to make him super happy. Pete's yeah, back. So he's the perfect, I mean, he's the perfect guy for that. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, he's the perfect yeah, that, guy for that. Worked that worked out well. Yeah. And so. That worked out well. And so who came to get the big brother to the Transalp, the Africa Twin? Uh, so that was a, <clears throat> my listing on that one when I originally put it up was that I think I started at 8,500. Yep. Yep. And I said, don't even contact me unless you have money and you want to come look at it and buy it. Right. And so I didn't get a whole lot of responses and everything, but then I bumped it down to 83 mm-hmm. and then finally 79. And then this gentleman from Indiana contacted me and said, hey, I've been looking at this since you posted it, but you said no offers. Right. Yeah. Now that you're at 79, what do you think about 75? Okay. Oh. And I said, well, here's the address. I was so when say, do you want to uh, come look at it? That's I had I actually had a former customer of mine contact me out of New uh, Orleans and was like, dude, I'm gonna buy that. Yeah, well, guess what? And I went, You missed? He missed. No, that was right. like, I mean, dude, that's what I drove. People were starting to get ready to clamor. At eighty three, I was starting I, to get more hits yep, and stuff. I was getting ready to take out a loan. <laughs> I told three or four people I know that I thought were maybe in the market. They're like, mm-hmm. hey, this is a nice bike. There's a smoking deal. It is oh, yeah. it's a friend was, of ours. That was a I was like, deal. come look at hey, it. Hey, Phil, what kind of deal was it? It was a sore dick deal. There you go. Can't yeah, beat it. I mean, dude, when you see them at that price, I got mine for seventy eight hundred almost two years ago. Right. 
and I drove in the middle of a snowstorm with Oscar. He, yeah. he, he, oh, he loved that trip. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. We couldn't see the highway or anything. As, but, as much as I've been eyeballing the Tenere, as soon as that thing dropped down to the sevens, I was like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, that's when you just go. Yeah. Like that price, you just go oh, and yeah. buy it. Yeah. So this gentleman showed up, you know, three and a half hours away with a trailer and there you go. You know, basically, I'm like, do you want to ride? He's like, I drove three and a half hours. I, I'm buying the bike. You can have two flat I'm tires. I'm still taking it home. I, it's, it's really hard to play hard to get when you drove in with a trailer. No, yeah, from yeah. Indiana. And I, I specifically <laughs> said it's 7,500 cash when you get here. Just, yes, it is. You know, yeah. I've actually gone to look at things before, and I leave my trailer like around the corner. Yeah, somewhere. not a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> not a bad move. My dad yeah. used to do that with used cars. <laughs> Hey, but, uh, but the interesting <laughs> thing is, you know, it was a good guy. All the guys, everybody yeah. we've ran into has been fun to talk to. That's and, cool. you know, he was very happy, geeked about getting it and everything. And uh, he had had a number of other bikes. He had a monkey bike, you know. And so they, Steve and him talked a good bit about that and his accident and everything like that. Oh, he got to have the, he got to have the GSG experience. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> nice. Which a lot That's of worth a hundred bucks right there. Yes. Oh, the cast is great. Podcast we podcast getting people asking. I've been, people have been emailing me and everything yeah. asking. Oh, yeah. So we got to get Steve It almost back. happened this week. It almost happened this week because, you know, th- he's he's got a rule. He doesn't do podcasts on Friday night because that's date night with his wife, right? right Always has it. been. Yeah. So this week we were like, okay, let's do it. Let's shift it. Because I know for everybody at this table, well, a lot of the people at this table, we got to work the next day, right? Right, right? So podcast tends to run a little long. We get a little drinky. Maybe not the best condition to go to your job at 7 o'clock in the morning on, right? right, right. So that's why we tend to do Friday night because Saturday's not, Saturday morning doesn't come around too soon, right? Doesn't uh, come around as fast. That, that's, you're right. It doesn't. Every day's a Saturday. For you guys, yeah, right? Uh, for you retired folk, uh, but for the rest of us. But Tom and I, we don't, we don't start our job well, until the crack of 11. Yeah. So we have pretty... pretty well, it's, I'm I up always, at 5.30 every morning. I, I I'm always, thinking about you. I always laugh because I'm like, and at 8 o'clock, I jump out of bed. I got to get to work. Yeah. And I get to work and usually run 9.30, 10-ish. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That might explain I, why sometimes I'm falling asleep during the podcast. I've been up since and I'm still an hour ahead of you, right? And still two ahead of ahead of Renee. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, my old job. Yeah, but you're not getting anything done. You're just sitting there on your. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just look at I look at the internet. As long as oh, Phil and Renee aren't getting anything done. Either. No, as no. long as the kitchen smells like coffee, I'm right. happy. Right. right. The uh, but that's that is that thing about the Thursday night podcast deal. This week I was like, okay, can we do it? Because the nice thing is Becky makes us food, she makes us dinner, okay. and there's so when we change the date from we change the night from Friday to Thursday, that affects our, our catering. Yeah. So craft uh, services likes a heads up. That's right. So I was like, cool. Hoffert was in the shop the other day and told Renee, he's like, oh, you know, I'd love to, uh, you know, I want to come out. And Renee was like, I'll tell Phil immediately as soon as he gets in. So she told me as soon as I got back. And I was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. And I, I hit the bat signal, and everybody was like, fuck yeah, we'll do Thursday. And then Hoffert's like, I got a hockey game to go to or something. Yeah. And I was like, Some lame at, ass wait excuse. a second, man. You, I just showed you how quick I can respond oh, yeah. to, your, to your needs. Yeah. Okay, so that's fine. It was a whole family affair. And I they, understand. They ended up all going in the high ace, which <gasps> is on the block. No. Yeah. Really? The high ace is on the block? Yeah. <gasps> Oh my God! If anybody wants a four wheel drive diesel, yep, yep, a four wheel drive diesel high ace, hard to come by. Looking for like ten grand for yeah, that. That's yeah, where that's, right right. Right. But, yeah, that's where they are right now. That's where they are. What about the uh, the PC? Uh, so that is a very good one. Sure. I mean, uh, you want a PC? Uh, not in the greatest shape, mm. but it was excellent running and oh, everything. Oh, fucking thing runs like a charm. 
has been sitting in his backyard, needs the back wheel changed. The t- it had a flat tire and it yeah. won't, it's not air upable, mm-hmm. but there's another wheel and tire on the parts bike that you will be getting. Whoa, whoa. You're a getting whole, the parts bike? You get the it's whole parts two bike. For one. And then a whole pow, like a lot of PC 800 He's body got work. So and, much PC 800 shit. Yeah. All of that could probably be yours for $1,000. And a thousand bucks for two and a half PC 800s. And I've got a brand new, never been out of the shop, maybe four or five year old Dunlop K591 mm-hmm. in that rare 15 inch because the PC800 has got a weird size back tire. Yeah. I've got one of those at my shop. So if anybody needs it, I'll kick that in on the deal. Yeah, because so I was you can just have a swap, brand new tire. Swap the wheel and tire off the one onto mm-hmm. that one and get it. It's, I think it's in his backyard. Well, I, I, I'm not going to buy another PC800. No. no. Well, I think one of the first conversations we ever had, mm-hmm. and this was back in Columbus at. Uh, at ages uh, ago. Ages ago. What was that? What was, this, what was the Columbus rally? Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Scooter Q. Scooter Q. Yeah. Um, we were talking about the PC800, and you were like, you know, from a distance, it looks like an X9. It's, it's the biggest maxi scooter sold at the time. The very first time I acknowledged that Piaggio was getting bigger and bigger and bigger, like their Piaggio scooters had taken some human growth hormones <laughs> and they were putting these 500cc motors into plastic scooters and really giving people 100 mile an hour bikes. Yep. Yeah. When you looked at the Piaggio X9 and then you looked at the Honda PC800, you realize you didn't need to need to change the nomenclature. Piaggio scooters were called like P two hundred. You could just call this a P eight hundred. Yep. And keep the E because it's electronic ignition. Oh yeah. And this one actually had electric start, so it's actually better. So I was like, dude, I'm just going to take Piaggio badges and stick them all over <laughs> my PC eight hundred. Well, Hoffer had taken one of them and had BMW badges all over his PC eight hundred, mm-hmm. which every time I would ride my if I was riding a white PC 800, I got more people saying like, damn, cool BMW, man. Yeah. Honda didn't know that when they let the Accord division, the Lexus division, design that motorcycle, that what they were actually building was a pre-production prototype of a BMW motorcycle. <laughs> because Steve loves it because it's that pearl white, that the, pearl the Lexus pearlescent. Yep. Lexus pearlescent white. He, he apparently loves yeah. that. That's blasphemy. I'll just say blasphemy. <laughs> blasphemy. <laughs> I am a blasphemer. 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 Do you know what's funny is I've only ever owned one of those in not white, and it was a black one, and it was not as good. So I've had the 90... Hey, that, that's not PC to say that. No, it's not PC. Yeah, I know. I have said that the 89, like the 89 was the high watermark, and then every little change they made after that to try and make it more appealing in later years, like the, when they came out with the 92s, 93s, and whatever, when they brought it back, uh, everything was done to like DPC it, like because the marketing was so fucking hilarious. In 1989, the coolest thing to have was a personal computer. Like if you had a personal computer, you were a man of action. You were you were a business tycoon if you had a personal computer in 1989. Or playing Castle Wolfenstein. Well, yeah. Gen wow. 1 Doom, right? Mm-hmm. So it does sort of have hilarious. a Commodore 64 early Apple look to it. Well, if you look at the original advertising, <laughs> it literally said personal commuter. Ah. So it, <laughs> when it was originally designed, it was not called the Pacific <laughs> Coast. It was originally penned as being the personal commuter. Oh, shit. And it was a motorcycle for car people. I like it. 
Yeah, and that was the whole marketing campaign. It was it was the Honda Personal Commuter 800. Now think and, about this. So 89, the PC 800 you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. And, and his is an 89. It's an 89, yeah. And then the Transalp is also an 89. It is. So look at those two bikes in 1989. That's the future, man. It, it is. Like, you're, you're absolutely right. So if anybody's know. interested, please come let, chime in before I have to <laughs> deal with putting this on Marketplace and all that. Well, and the people you're going to run into, because now you're in the danger zone of being too cheap. So when you get a price down low in Facebook Marketplace land, then you're running into all the fucking wackos. And you have uh, Steve Hofford's spirit animals going to come and look at it. Man, I, <laughs> you can't imagine the, the what I've been through <laughs> selling this stuff. Spirit animal. Hi, my name's Greaves Stostert. What? <laughs> you heard me. <laughs> have you ever seen any of the skits about you know Marketplace and all the stupid questions and ghosting and? Yeah. I mean, I've just had it all. Can I have more pictures? Can I have this? I'm like, how many no. pictures do you want? No. Send you, like, you send them this, send them yeah. that. Yeah. But ultimately, like, those rabbit hole people, like, that's the guy who bought the the lady boy. I mean, mm-hmm. that was 20 questions. I mean, I just sat there back and forth. Does it do this? Does it have that? <laughs> well, he ended up coming and buying it. So, yeah. So you earned your you earned your commission. That's the trick, man. Does it have the auto jacking feature? Commission. Whoa. <laughs> a story here. Go the go. Auto jacking feature is on the new thirteen hundred GS because it has an adjustable suspension. Yes, it does. And then when you want to put it up on the center stand and it's in the low position, as you start to engage the center stand, the bike will actually raise itself to change the angle of the center stand to make it easier to put up on the center stand. And the Germans. The Germans have called that the auto jacking. (laughs) True story. (laughs) The Germans love the auto jacking. All the auto jacking devices I've seen usually come from Japan. But you're exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) The Germans don't know crap about shit. It's just the funniest thing that it's called the auto jacking feature. I just love that. That is so fantastic. The uh, when I rode my first uh, may I please be auto jacked <laughs> when I rode my first Harley Davidson Pan America right. So I I get this guy hands me the keys, and the first question in my mouth is, is this the one with the height adjustable suspension? Because that's a, that's a package. That's that's the higher level of the motorcycle. And uh, the guy's like, you won't have any problems. And I said, that's not the question I asked you. <laughs> the question I asked you is, does this have the ride height adjustable suspension? Because I want to go play with it. I mean, that's the, to me, riding the Harley-Davidson Transamerica would be like a cool thing. That's great. But I definitely want to ride the one that has the height adjustable suspension. I want to slam this thing on the ground. I want to ride it around, slam it on the ground. And I want to put it in its highest possible position and drive it around. Because I've had a few Mitsubishi Pajeros that have a button that can put it in off-road mode and then in sport mode. Mm. And it has air-adjustable shocks from the factory back in year of our Lord 1994 that gave that car about a three-inch difference in ride height. And I thought, well, if we can have a motorcycle that does that, you know, for short folks. And he says, well you're not meant to really ride it around like that. You're meant to use it for embarking and disembarking on the vehicle. He says, it's not really designed to be um, sport mode. (laughs) You know, it's like, this isn't like, oh, the bridge is only seven feet too high. I can now get under it kind of mode. He goes, it's really just to help smaller people get on and off the bike. But I said, well, I'm curious about center stand 
because that's a big deal. Like, because for sure it is. Yeah. Um, if you've ever altered the ride height on your motorcycle and then used the center stand, you will realize all of a sudden you have a different motorcycle. What the original engineers had designed to be somewhat easy to put up on center stand, when you run into customers who have lowered the bike and even put a lowered side stand on the machine, then you try to put it on center stand and you're like, holy shit, what happened? I've put 15 and I've put 17 or 18 Honda CB750s up on center stand before. Or the opposite end of the yeah. spectrum where they put bigger tires on it. Yeah, now the center stand's not enough. No, yeah. no. It's, 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 you put the bike up on center stand. sort of got it off the ground, but it's still kind of touching. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> agree. every Vespa side stand ever made where it just can yeah. fall over. It's just, do you know, I got that. <laughs> I'm still going through a learning period with that Triumph Scrambler 1200 that it is the motorcycle that I have owned in my life that has the least side stand authority. When I put that motorcycle on the side stand, it does not feel like it is safe. <laughs> it's so tall. Yeah. But the side stand needs to be one inch shorter. And this is a side stand that is made out of magnesium. aluminum. It's not the kind of thing I just want to go and be like, I'm just going to cut off an inch and then take it back together again. Uh. I would try that if it was an aluminum stand. I would hack it and I would TIG it right back together again. If it was a steel stand, I would hack it and I would weld it right back together again. I'd put a little bolt in the middle and I'd, I'd, I'd re-sleeve it and be stronger than it was before. I've done that to a lot of motorcycles. I've touched this stand and I'm, this stand and I'm completely convinced it's made of triumphium. It is an alloy that I am not confident Cutting and tigging. And if I cut it, I'm just going to end up with a very sharp spike at the end of it. And then we're, you know, whatever. But it is unusually erect when you put the side stand down. And to the point where it's like, I have yet to find a good place where I can park it, where I'm like, now I feel better about life. You need to put bigger tires on. You've met this motorcycle. Maybe you could <laughs> jack up the suspension you, a little bit. You have met this motorcycle. Yeah, I have done, I've, I've twisted all the knobs and made all the adjustments to both get it into its most highest riding position for Zero like sag. a 700 pound rider. And then I've also done it both in everything in between. What I've ended up with is a bike that every time I park it, I walk away from it like, dude, just don't fall over. Please don't fall over. It literally is the best besides Dan. Yeah, yeah, it's really fucking, it's really fucking with me because it gives me a great sense of insecurity every single time I fucking ride it. And that's that's unfortunate. Mm. The Sim Wolf uh, went to the, the boy. Simba. No, no, Sim the wolf. wolf. Yeah, the wolf. The wolf, which came from one of our podcast listeners. Yeah, I'm sorry that that didn't go very far from home. It was kind of just a bro deal with one of the guys at work. The, nice. The Simba money. I'm not going to tell you how much money because doesn't I know matter. He got no. it for free, and he actually kind of felt bad about even charging, <laughs> but he didn't really actually want to sell that. I yeah, sort of forced him. Uh, and <gasps> so <laughs> what? Yeah. Now the, the, so the money Simba changed hands, daily, but, but yeah, money changed hands. But he did want first right of refusal if it ever gets sold, and it's a kid we work with, and it's his first bike, so cool. it's kind of a good home for it. I, dude, good the for wolf, that. The wolves are great. Again, it falls into the category of bikes that you can do anything to, and nobody cares. But they're great little bikes. It's a great little bike. Yeah, it's a great little bike. Now the Simba taunts me. I'm not going to lie. 
Uh, I mean, somebody wants to give us a thousand dollars if I'll deliver it to them over on Trisket. Yep, it's a seventy-year-old guy who wants to take it down to Florida, right around down there. Um, I just didn't have the energy for that today. I have owned exactly two Sim Simbas. I've owned so two funny. of those. I have had to sell them each time, and each time I've sold them, I have regretted it. Yeah, and I do. I agree with that. The well, Simba is the say the word, dude. It's right there. Go I understand. <laughs> I get you. Know how many bikes do I have in the garage? I don't touch right now. Oh my god, this one actually runs. And I know. Rideable. I ride. The, uh, I literally put two, what two miles? If I'm lucky, I put two miles a day on my uh, on my buddy. The stupid thing, I think, has the original battery in it from 2010. It, it probably does. And it will still electric start if you those, ride it around. And, you those know, like, are the best Honda Passport you could ever buy. Yeah. They're really good bikes. Yeah. They're really good yep. bikes. Uh, I, I'm going to pull one up just so our people at home can understand what a Sim <laughs> what Simba, a Sim Simba is, is. yeah. Because we have to have one moment of clarification regarding this. That was another one I had to list it as something it's not. I saw that. Uh, oh, I saw that. Yeah. And... Uh, so here's the problem with the Sim Simba. Just just so we can kind of acknowledge for everybody what a Sim Simba is. Uh, a Sim Simba is a Honda Passport. Oh, yeah. It's a Honda Passport being sold under license through SYM, Sanyang Motors, in the Taiwan market. And it really is a passport. I mean, it, it, it's very much a Honda Super Cup. With an extra gear and, and what, 40, 50 CDCs? Well, 40, I mean, 40 more CDCs? It's 100 C, 110. They're 150. I thought those were 110s, right? 110? 110. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or yeah, 100. I'm 100. not sure. I think you're right. I think but it's they're not a 70. No, 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 no. A little bit bigger. No, it's not a one. But of, course, of course, Phil, you remember I had the dick, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I owned the dick for a while. Here's... Well, so go I ahead. had two Simbas and the dick. Right, right. The um, I, I reason I <laughs> want the players to, at home that yeah. is the Red Streak Scout. The Scout, yeah. but the dick, <laughs> the dick DYK was the prototype oh, that they that? brought in for the Red Streak Scout. I've owned black and I've owned red in yeah. the Sim Simba, and every time I've gotten into a bind, I've had to sell it, and I regret it every time. Okay, so things that make a Sim Simba infinitely superior to the currently available Honda Super Cup, which is at least 10 years newer. One, the fully enclosed chain. Fully fucking enclosed chain. Yep. Brilliant. With an eye towards extensive wear and and abuse of the vehicle. Genius. Absolutely fucking genius. Second thing that's genius, telescopic forks. Not the bullshit Honda little super short travel, yep. whatever they called those. Earls, leading link. Leading, leading link forks, link. right? Yeah. Might seem like a downfall, but I'm going to say it. Drum brakes front and rear. Yep. More than enough brakes to stop you. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Dustin. It'll carry a thousand chickens to market. Dustin and I rode one of these on the Dragon. The year that we did the Bay Rally. Oh, we had Lord. these stuffed in the back. We had... Uh, we had a Simba, and we had a Buddy, and we had something else I can't remember. But uh, Shane, me, and Dustin attacked the dragon on one of, one of these, and and held head high. Killboy got many photos of us strafing oh, yeah. corners on yeah, yeah. this red and white bike. Okay, things about this bike that suck eggs hard. <laughs> that might be the same bike. 
I think it, it probably it actually is. might be the same bike. <laughs> I think it is the same bike. It is the same red. No, I think it's... Because it has the double seats. Yeah. So here's the thing. Well, that's... Yeah. yeah. This double seat configuration, if you are a six foot one uh, shaved ape that I am, this is the wrong seat. Because right where my taint wants to be is a metal goddamn yep. bar, a horizontal metal bar. And Sim offered for the United States market, I swear to God, only a bench seat option. Yeah, his blue one has the bench yep. seat. And the bench seat option for the Sim Simba was this fucking contraption that was like the giantest pain in the dick to install. Nothing lined up right. It didn't close good. Everything on it was garbage, a complete afterthought. But at least it didn't have that fucking bar. Now, here's why the bar is dangerous. If you're riding the motorcycle as God intended and you hit a pothole of which our city is resplendent, that bar destroys <laughs> your fucking coccyx. That bar hits you between your lower vertebrae and your fucking pelvis oh. so hard oh, yeah, no, it hurts. that it numbs your feet. <laughs> it hurts. And I've and the first time I rode one of these out in the wild, the first one I uncrated and prepped, I took it out and I was riding around and I hit a hole. Well, that leads me to the second complaint. If you look at the top of the rear shock absorbers, there is this weird plastic switch. And there is a plastic switch that is a one-position preload adjuster. One person? Two it has an icon one on person, it. One person, two A graphic of one men's room bathroom attendant. And then you'd put the other way and it has a graphic of two men's room bathroom identifiers. I did not change it over to the two men's bathroom identifier when I first rode it. And consequently, hitting even a small hole caused me irreparable spine damage, right? <laughs> so that's where this thing can eat a bag of dicks for, I'm con for all I'm concerned. Now here's the last thing, the nail in its coffin, as it were. 100% of the parts on Steve's Honda Passport do not fit on this bike. Yep. It looks like 100% parts of, of the parts should be compatible. None of them are. Not a goddamn thing. I went as far as checking the sprockets, the chain, everything. Everything is different. And that's why I understand that this is not a licensed, manufactured for Honda by SYM thing. This is a licensed, SYM is paying Honda enough money to keep them from being sued. Kind of like a Kia Jeep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, lady boy. I even I even looked at uh, that I even looked at the this, Jeep. This, and I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> I love I love and hate these at the same time. Oh, yeah. But I do believe what you're getting is you're getting replica Chinese Honda passport functionality with Taiwanese build quality. Yeah. And I am absolutely convinced if somebody told me that this will never die. I would say you're probably right. I, I think my last one, the black one, had about 20,000 mm. miles on it, and the kid yeah. was still bashing it off yeah. the trees. So. Well, now I'm going to go into the final statement about why the brand new Honda Super Cub is worse. <laughs> <laughs> For a lot more money. So John is selling this perfectly running, amazingly oh, yeah. capable bike for $1,000. Yep. It's going to cost you over three and a half, almost $4,000 to buy a brand new fuel-injected Honda Super Cub 125. Two facts. I already one. Cleaned, cleaned the fuel injector on this one. Well, you mean the Vergasser? Yes. So the first thing is this is carbureted. Yes. 
This is carbureted. It does not have a whiff of ABS. This thing will run forever. Yep. As long as you keep ethanol out of it, right? Yep. Right? So, but here's the other fucking thing I can't stand. You've got a monkey. I do. You do. Your monkey has a key, right? It does. It has a goddamn key. It's got right? two of them, actually. Right. If you have a Grom, you have a key. Two of them, in fact. If you have a hunter cub, you have a key. Two of them, in fact. But if you have a Honda Super Cub, current generation, you have a fob. You don't have a key. Yuck. And you have nowhere to put a key. You have a fob. And not only do you have a fob, but you have the most feeble battery known to man that needs a good strong battery for the fob to do all the things a fob has to do. And I have learned... So you're saying it's not fabulous? It's fucking <laughs> awful, man. It's awful. Fobble. It's fucking awful. Boo. So my biggest complaint with the brand new Honda Super Cub is that the other day I went to ride mine. You know that bike that I have. Yeah. Uh, I went to ride it and I pushed the I'd like to go for a ride button on the side of the bike and no lights came on at all. Because it has to sit there. Something has to stay active so it can receive the signal right. Thank from you. your fob. You mean my motorcycle... Your fabulous fail. My, yeah, my motorcycle that is really just a radio transmitter receiver acting like a motorcycle, or in my case, being a garage ornament. Same thing's happening to my quad runner. Once I installed the cordless winch oh, with shit. the remote control. Oh, shit. You know, before it's it parasitically can, drawing. It, yeah, because it has to. I was so pissed the other day when I went out to my bike... My 2021 Honda fucking Super Cub with ABS and fuel injection and all that delicious shit. And I pressed the button on the side of it that, that puts it into its wake-up mode. And I knew I was in trouble when I was pressing the buttons on the fob and nothing was lighting up on the bike. And I was like, we got a problem here. Then I went and pressed the button on the side. Nothing happened. You know what you should do with that thing, you know? Phil? Park it on the side of your garage and build some shelves on top of it. That's a fucking good idea. <laughs> Which brings you to another plus of the Simba. Yeah. Is that if the battery is dead, you just give it a kick. Exactly. And one kick and it starts. And that's where the new Honda sucks so much dick is it does not have a Kickstarter. I did. I was able to um, one time this year when I went out to ride it before the DGR. I was able to roll start it in second because it doesn't have a clutch. It's an, it's an auto trans. But you can still bump start it. You can bump train. start it, right. So I, I, I literally put it in second and huffed it down the driveway, and it eventually lit up. And things came back, and the battery charged itself. And any normal smart person would have bought a new battery at that moment uh, because <laughs> God gave you the, all the indications you needed. I was being smart. I just hooked it to a battery tender and thought, give this thing a week or two, it'll come back. Now my last point about this and why this 100cc bike is better for 3,000 and some change less than a Super Cub. This is faster. I think they are. Oh, no. Oh, they are. I fucking know they are because only one person sitting at this table has ridden both bikes in question home to my house from Porco on the freeway. <laughs> Steve that might be on you. the freeway. I can guarantee you, I have ridden the Sim Simba 100 home from Porco to my house on the freeway. Have done it. Can confirm. 
have also GPS verified. It will go six zero miles per hour. I can also GPS verify that the brand new Honda Super Cub with ABS and fuel injection and all that great shit will go about 52, which is not fast enough to be driving home from Porco all the way to my house in Avon Lake, you know, under the power of seven or eight Roman twists. Uh, But that's the thing is the Simba is faster. The Simba is a much faster vehicle than the Super Cub. Uh, I'm going to tell you, it's not just that I'm angry. You need to move closer to Porco. That's also an option. That's true. Let's debate which one has the cooler name, the Simba or the Super Super Cub. Right? Okay, you're right. You're absolutely right. I'm leaning towards Simba. Aren't they both Cubs, though? They're both Cubs, but I think that that he's right. I think Pete's right. Simba is a cooler name than Super Cub. You know? Because there's a symbiosis between you and the bike. Well, when you hit the horn, we knew that was mean. I mean... You're talking about you're talking about the difference between Simba, <laughs> so good, dude. Simba the lion, yeah, and just calling it a cub, right. just a random generic cub yeah. versus Simba. I think I do have some problems cosmetically with the front end. the 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 headlight on this thing does look like they ran out of suggestions as to where to put it. Yamaha's Vino was like, I don't know what to do with all these headlights. <laughs> but I do say, for a thousand bucks, I'd buy this thing oh, all yeah. fucking day long. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not because I have a Super Cub that doesn't run. <laughs> no, wait. So, so like, but if somebody was into this, because I know a lot of people yeah. love these things. Yeah. Are there parts, though? Can you get Yeah. Them? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. These aren't hard to get parts they for. They made no. 70 yeah. gajillion of them. I was going to say. The most produced <laughs> motor vehicle in the world in all of creation Stop. is... Is not compatible with this bike. Correct. Okay. So all of the world's most prolific vehicles on the planet, because I used to lie and tell customers right. that when they were trying to buy these. Yeah. Yes, the Super Cub is the most prolific vehicle on the planet. This is not a Super Cub. Right, back to the dick. Right. I assure you, the dick is way more compatible with the Super Cub because it is a direct, unabashed copy. Everything that SYM did to make theirs better also made it different. So it is what it is. Now, can you get parts for it? Of course you can because you know what Sim does? Sim builds hojillions of fucking bikes. There ain't no shortage of SYM Simbas. No. You just can't find it at your local goddamn, you know, farm and fleet. You're not buying parts for this on well, Amazon. That's so always easily. been the problem with Sim. But you don't need any fucking parts for this. What's you could drive this goddamn thing for 50,000 miles the only, and not even need a chain. The only thing, well, no, that's actually the only thing that ever wears out on that bike. The tires and the chain. I disagree. I, I disagree. Yeah. Look at that chain shroud. <laughs> I could put so much fucking corrosion blocker that's in that true. thing and it wouldn't it's even true. spill out on the tire. Pack the whole thing with grease. That's Fuck what I was about yeah. To say. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if somebody gives me that, that little, kind of... Yeah. That little tiny black... That's what the black hole black rubber at the bottom, yeah. that's what that's for. You pop that thing out and you just fucking load it with chain wax. <laughs> and you load it. You load it with chain wax once and then when you sell it, you tell the guy that's where the chain wax goes. <laughs> and you'll never have to look in there ever again. Did you, who had the one? There was one roaming around. It wasn't a Simba. It was a, a Super Cub or something that had the world's the worst chain slap I'd ever seen in my life. And the teeth on the sprocket were all shark fins. Every single tooth on the sprocket was a shark fin. It had about thirty thousand miles on it. And I tried like hell to get the guy to buy a new fucking set of sprockets. And it was somebody who runs around here in Cleveland. And it was a passport. And it was somebody who runs around here in Cleveland, and I straight up said, it was a yellow and white passport, and I was like, dude, please, 
Is that Hoffer? No, it's not <laughs> Hoffer. No, it's not Hoffer. It's Kevin, it's Kevin Pearson or one of the guys who does the DGR. But they rode the bike on the DGR. We were all going 50 plus miles an hour easy, and they were keeping up. But they bought a new ch- chain for it, and I was like, oh my God, look at your fucking sprocket. I've never seen hooks. They look like cat's claws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I was like, grabbing the chain. Yeah, and I was like, you've got to get a new set of sprockets. They're about $21. And he was like, just need the chain. And he just bought the chain. But you know what? Doesn't fucking care. Doesn't care. I saw Sir Richard Branson throw one of those off the roof of a three-story building and then ride it for another week and a half. These are unkillable machines. Yeah. The Honda Super Cub is just a straight-up unkillable machine. So God bless it. If you want a refined Honda Super Cub, buy a fucking Simba. That's the best $1,000 you're ever going to spend. And it's got a title, by the way. Yep. It's got electric start. It's got a title. Yep. Fuck. <clears throat> that is a sore dick deal. What else is selling? Anything else? Uh, up, the, up on the block will be his Zero FXS. Oh, hey, and it's got real miles on it. It's not Four, one of those fucking garage 14, queens. 14,000? Yep. Yeah. That was what the guy said. Wow, you put 14,000 on an electric bike. And, well, yeah, he drove it back and forth to work a He's lot. He's the only guy I know that... Zero advertises that that particular bike with that particular battery can get about 75, 80 miles. Mm-hmm. Hoffert brings it in at 92 miles on a charge. We were driving over to Cinch's house one yeah. day, and he's going 35. <laughs> I shits thou not. He was going 35. I know this because I'm like, what's going on? He's like, I have to ride at 35 miles an he's hour. He's hypermiling. Yeah. If he I want to get to cinches and then be able to make it back to Lakewood and charge yeah. it up. If I go 35, I know that I can make it back. It's 75 PSI in the tires, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he knew, he had it figured out. He knows yeah. his, He knows what it'll that's, do. How many, how many miles are on it? That's logic. 14,000. So that's four charges. He's the only guy I know whose electrons are dying of old age. The uh, well, but incidentally, it has new batteries in it. It does well. It, the, I, could, I was going to say the one, the most important part of that bike is the forty two hundred dollars worth of brand new battery. It's actually, it's got. kind of the one to get because it's mm-hmm. pre. It, it has. Is. It's not too smart. It doesn't There's, have firmware. It does it's, not have a cellular phone built into it. It's kind of. Yep. It's the one. It's a good one to get. It's right. dumb enough to be. A good analog for the military's uh, Zero MX, uh, their military version of the motorcycle, which is that dumbed down, you know, you can shoot it with a gun and it will still run and drive. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the one that I used to have and it was completely infallible. So Super fast. I mean, I remember the day we were riding and I was having trouble beating him off the line. You can't beat that thing. On cinches, I did, but it took everything I had on his RS900. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so it took an RS900 to beat the lowest... The least expensive zero you can buy, and you had to bring an RS nine hundred to beat it. Mm-hmm. There you go. That'll tell you. Electricity is fucking weird, man. I mean, the conversation. He's like, I'm like, dude, I don't want to thrash your bike, and because he just really got it. He's like, no, get him, get, get him, him, get him. Like <laughs> <laughs> bikes can be fixed. I'm like I don't want to, I don't want to crash. I don't want to kill myself. Like like. It was, took a I lot. will not have this RS nine hundred beaten by a fucking low rent zero. Well, it took three the tries. The cheapest. Yeah. <laughs> it took three <laughs> well, you saw me race against the H two R. I raced against the H two R on the what is now a slow zero, but I beat an H two R three for three on drag racing. No, no, so it, it took everything in my yeah. Like you had to get the yeah. jump. The H two R couldn't catch me on that zero SR. 
you had the power shift. You had the. Mm-hmm. They're frighteningly quick. Yeah, as many broken ones will attest. To. <laughs> it's like I don't know what happened. I just was going backwards all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens. You gave it some throttle, didn't you? <laughs> uh, so that's cool. Anything else going on that one? Oh, any? What else is a sale? A uh, couple. There's a CB550 in purple, purple rain. That's right, purple rain. Yep. There's a CB500 yep. in green. Very nice uh, mm-hmm. green. Uh, Urel with a sidecar. Then I sold him. Yep. Yep. And he fixed everything on that bike. Yep. That is probably the only Ural I would consider buying because Steve did go through that bike. He went through it. Uh, we're selling a Moto Guzzi Ambassador for the second uh, time. No, you're not. I'm buying that. Oh, I said the second time. Oh. <laughs> like that that's pretty good that got right past me that's nice I just i just became a broker in that deal i like that that's cool there's yeah. a pretty nice i'm gonna uh, have a trifecta in the back yeah <laughs> you know what i'll bring mine and be quad that's it i'm there's loving it pretty <laughs> loving it and almost there bmw's that was a 75 slash five I believe. slash five yeah, yeah. in yeah. blue that yeah. was a crash bike but mm-hmm. he did all the work to swap it over into a good frame with yeah. the title no i i provided I mean, he, half that he was shit, like yeah. right there yep just had to work out the front brake because that has the cable to hydraulic <laughs> oh, setup. Oh, God, yeah. And I'm like, just get a regular hydro- just no, get a hydraulic. No, that's, the, that's that weird cylinder. slash six thing. Like, just get a master cylinder and yeah. run a hose down to the thing and just do away with that whole, you know. It's a super easy problem. Yeah. 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 That would not be too difficult. Yeah. That's yeah. got to, you know. Yeah. Oh. But that's, I mean, we're getting through most of the good. stuff pretty good. That's I mean, fantastic. Just BMW. I mean,. What, you need a, you need a, if you anybody need a here, six? I'm we're more than happy to like it's nice. I kind of like that it's that the bikes are going to good mm-hmm. homes right absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So he did. Uh, we had a customer that had a totaled out R75, and he came and he did the best thing he could do is before the people came to get the totaled out slash five, he showed up and he was like, I need that, I need that, I need that, I need that, I need that. And since the insurance company was making the bike liquidate anyway, they were scrapping it anyhow. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you take everything you want off that bike and get it out of here. I want no parts of that thing showing when they show up. So, yeah, that's another, that's a good project for somebody who wants a, who somebody wants a slash five. That's a pretty fucking easy project. Now, it's never going to be a prom queen. I don't have a number on that, but Steve's been very, he's really only been trying to like get out what he has in mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. not. Hard to work with. He's very willing. So to the reason we're bringing this up is if you're listening to this podcast and any of these motorcycles appeal to you, what I can assure you is that every single price that we've sold, that John has sold these bikes for, has been truly 1988 prices. Uh, all of these bikes are affordable. But the Africa Twin, there was nobody selling an Africa Twin for even what I was originally yeah. asking the, for it. Well, my, my buddy in New Orleans, he said, look, there's one here for 7900 It's got 23,000 miles on it. Yeah. Yours is the better deal. Yeah. And, how many miles was on that? 10,000. Yeah. No, you could, you, that literally was a Sordek deal. And Liza's, I think Liza's sold hers, but Liza's had the dual clutch transmission, the automatic. Mm-hmm. And honestly... I've ridden them both, and I don't think I would own that bike as an auto tragic. I think I would want to have that bike Manuel. Manuel. I, I, as much as I do have infinite respect for the Honda automatic transmission and what it can do in the mud or whatever, you know, slick rock or whatever, they. 
it's it's got its place. It's got its appeal. I've, I've written I've written the CTX in both in both versions. I loved the Goldwing with the automatic. The Goldwing with the automatic was fantastic. I but mean, I think that if I had the Africa Twin, I would still probably. I, want I still think six like, speed. You can get some of these guys that say it's great, whatever. Yeah. But I honestly think I think eighty percent of the people buying DTCs are because they can't shift anymore. Do you know what? Something. I take those phone calls at the shop, mm-hmm. and the phone call comes in just like this. Hey. Uh, have you got any automatic motorcycles? And they all start the same way. It's not, it's not a person calling saying, do you have an Africa Twin DCT? Right. It's not somebody saying, do you have a CTX DCT? It's not somebody saying, do you have an NC700X DCT? Nobody's calling and asking for the bike by the name. Yeah. They're not specifically looking for the motorcycle that they know has a DCT and that's why they want it. No. They're calling because they are motorcycle curious, but they're intimidated by shifting gears. Here's the trick, though. I know right now everybody who's listening to this has painted a picture in their head of what this potential buyer looks like. You're wrong. And that's what kills me, is as many times as not, the, the person that comes into my shop that says they want to buy a bike and they don't want to shift is a lot bigger a lot more masculine and a lot older than you think they are. And it's also funny because we get a lot of urban, that's code for black guys, that come in that are getting into motorcycles in their 40s and their 50s. Yeah. But they don't want to go back in time 30 years and learn how to shift. Yeah. Because we live in a world right now where you can buy Can-Am Spiders and you can buy a lot of motorcycles that are actually not shifty. And they're looking for a way to get into motorcycles, but the one thing they've never done, and this kills me because it's strange to me, is they've never owned a car with a manual. Every car they've ever owned has been an automatic. Every motorcycle that they've seen their friends buy over the 30 years, that when their friends all bought KZ900s, they didn't buy a motorcycle. They didn't get a motorcycle. They had their car and everything else. And this is their opportunity now. 40, 50 years old to get into motorcycles. And the, the term that I've heard them use is, yeah, it's just a hassle. I don't want to, I don't want to mess around with the clutch. Yep. It, I don't want to mess around with the clutch. It constantly baffles me. Because when, when Yamaha brought up the T-Max, mm-hmm. it baffles me, and the Bergman's the same way, where it has the independent transmission versus the motor, where, where the swing Correct. Arm, so we have a motorcycle-style drivetrain yeah. Even though it's a scooter, it baffles me. Right, so it's got a belt, that, so, and that's a, that's. I, I want to say this for the people listening at home who are not scooter files. Yeah, yeah, the vast majority of motor scooters on planet Earth, the motor and the transmission are in one housing. So there's a pivot up at the front, so that when you go unit. over a bike, it's a unit. Yeah, unit body construction. Talk about units. Yeah. Uh, what happens is there's a pivot point when you go over a bump, the back tire goes up. And the piston goes down. Yeah. Okay. There is a teeter-totter effect. And that leads to a situation that's called unsprung weight. So that motor and that transmission and that transmission housing and the brakes and everything else are all what are now unsprung weight. And unfortunately, when you have a lot of unsprung weight in a motorcycle, it tends to make the handling kind of shitty. So some of these scooter manufacturers have decided to have the motor in the middle of the bike under your testicles, okay? They'll have a single or a big parallel twin motor, and then they'll have a transmission that is a CVT-type transmission in the middle of the bike, 
but then they'll have a belt going all the way to the back wheel. So the motor actually doesn't pivot up and down anymore. The pivot is a fixed part of the motorcycle, just like it is on any motorcycle. And then you have a belt drive going back to the back of the motorcycle that the belt can go up and down and the tire can go up and down. That leads to a hell of a lot less unsprung weight. And these scooters start to feel like fucking sport bikes. The T-Max is a good example. The Kimco AK550 is a good example. These are two motor motor scooters that when you ride them around a corner and the bike's pivoting up and down, it doesn't give you that I got a hinge in the middle feeling because every single scooter, the Suzuki Bergman 650, the Honda uh, Silverwing 600, these are bikes that can easily go over 100 miles per hour. And they have a pivot point in the middle that is rubber bushings. Yep. And that means that the motor goes up and down, but it also goes side to side. But it, it yep. kills me, literally kills me, that because you're talking about guys that come in and they want a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. They have to have a motorcycle, but they want it to be automatic. Always, yep. And the last automatic CVT motorcycle, you're with me on this one, mm-hmm. that looks like an honest-to-God fucking motorcycle but still is a scooter is, mm-hmm. the, is the Jalera DNA. And Which we had the benefit of selling none of in yeah, this country. Yeah, we, we never got right. them. Nobody but in this it, it, it knows what it is. It looks like a Ducati. It, it's a mini Ducati at <laughs> a 180. That's what the fuck you're talking about. I can 100% guarantee you that the only reason anybody listening to this podcast yeah. knows what a Jalera DNA is because they live with Tom for two weeks. No, right. it's because we do have we do have some degenerates. <laughs> we do have some degenerates that we have listen to our podcast. Some, we have some but degenerate scooter there assholes. A, there is a um, there's a Chinese company that builds a knockoff of it, but it's still a GY six one fifty that doesn't have that pivot point. And no modern scooter manufacturer, no modern manufacturer that makes an automatic CVT powered motor, including Yamaha with the T Max, builds something that looks like a motorcycle. So instead, we get the DCT from Honda, and that's pretty much. I mean, the Aprilia Mano was about was like the only other automatic I can think of. Dude, you're not, allo- you're not allowed CS- to say the word Aprilia Mano if Steve Hoffert's not here. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell. I know you're new here, but yep, there is a yep. rule that nobody is allowed to say the words Aprilia Mano 850 unless Hoffert is here, and it's just respect. But that's that, all it is. That, it's just all respect. I'm saying is that thing. Every fucking CSC motor. T-Rex something had that GY6 looking oh, fucking yeah. sport bike. That was that's every, not a special thing. Every dude. every knockoff Chinese scooter, <laughs> every knockoff Chinese GY6 powered motorcycle came out of this. This originally had the uh, Jalera <clears throat> Runner 182 stroke motor in it. Dude, Ooh, it's gonna be nice. like the Bintinelli that's like the Grom yep. with the GY6 sticking but, out of the back. But with it, like I said, terrible. these were these were a 182 stroke originally, and because we're hooligans, they're amazing. But then they dumbed it down and, and what put a two hundred four stroke Atl- Atlantic Aprilia Atlantic motor in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and Steve's uh, cinch is right because what it is is it's a scooter motor. Yeah. It's a GY six style scooter motor. That's the thing though. And many Chinese companies just went. We're going to take the front end of a motorcycle, yeah. and then at the motor mount, we're going to install a scooter motor. Yeah. Yep. And then from the scooter motor back to the back of the rear tire is just going to be a CVT transmission scooter. They took a legitimate GY6 with yeah. the variator, oh, yeah. with the rear axle that yeah. normally a tire would go on, yeah. put a sprocket on it, yeah. and then run a chain back to this. Like, 
I'm, they didn't. Please tell me they didn't do that. No, they no, didn't. They it didn't. Was literally no, just, it literally is just a GY6 motor with it with the lo- it's the yeah. long the long swing arm GY6 motor. And and you'll see them on uh, on marketplace oh, with yeah. like twenty six miles with like the guys just shamefully selling them. But just the like, but the truth is that terrible. any motorcycle, any scooter manufacturer. Let me re- let me rephrase that. Any scooter manufacturer that could put like the AK five fifty with the belt drive rear end in this kind of a body with an automatic scooter. You see that? See that yeah, Piaggio transmission hanging off the back of it? That's literally because that's the, that's going to be the four stroke leader. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's, that's a one hundred. That's a one hundred twenty five cc scooter. Yeah. Slapped into a YSR <laughs> body or whatever you want to fucking exactly. call it. Exactly. Uh, it, it is what it is. It's absolutely tragic. But they. Uh, but they. The fact that no manufacturer has gone. You know what? We have all this on the shelf. Let's just put it in, in a trellis frame. But Sleepy's point is so fucking cogent right now because every single Chinese manufacturer hit America super hard with one of these. And we have a certain type of customer that shows up at the shop that says, hey, I've got this automatic transmission 150cc motorcycle. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I forgot about the CF Moto V2. Will you work on it, right? And every single time we get that phone call... Yep. I'm usually like, what does it say on the side? Mm-hmm. You know, because <clears throat> you got to understand, if you work in this environment... It says Honda. It you, says Honda. Now peel that sticker off. Yeah. yeah. It, says but, it says Yama Kawasaki. Yama Kawasaki. <laughs> yeah. It says uh, Bashan Astro Aeronautical, which is still my favorite line of all times. One of our, but, uh, one of our gentlemen that... I guess the right way to tell this is... I'm, I'm going to tell it like this. A guy that came into my shop and said that he purchased a um, Aprilia electric motorcycle. Aprilia does not make an electric motorcycle. He purchased an Aprilia electric motorcycle and that uh, it was supposed to go 60 miles an hour and have a 100-mile range. And I kept asking him, it says Aprilia on the side? Yeah. Where did you buy it? What dealership? I bought it online. They delivered it to my house. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now this guy showed up at my shop with a thing that literally said Valentino Rossi on the side. 46, the number 46... And had Aprilia racing livery on it. <laughs> but it was, as you'd expect, a hub motor, Chinese th- something, yeah. with 16-inch wheels that was extraordinarily low quality. He says it would not go 50 miles an hour under any circumstances, and it gave him about 25 miles of usable range. And it was a 110, you could only plug it in, and it had an off-board charger that was like the kind of a, char- a thing you might see on like a laptop computer or something, right? Mm-hmm. You know, some box, right? The 12 volts or whatever. But that's what he had. And it had all the, all the Aprilia Racing livery stickers on it and the whole deal. Now, in his defense, he did buy a $24,000 electric motorcycle that went 126 miles an hour and got from zero to 60 in 2.9 seconds. So he redeemed himself. He knew what he wanted. 
he got distracted by something that for under $5,000 said it was going to do everything he thought he wanted it to do. He was shamed, though, by his fellow motorcycle enthusiasts when he couldn't keep up with them. So he came to my shop saying like, hey, man, I've heard that you can tune this up and make it faster. And I went, I can do nothing for that except for call a lawyer on behalf of Aprilia and the Valentino Rossi Foundation, I guess. Right? I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure. Rossi will show up and just beat you. I'm <laughs> also pretty sure even the number 46 is copyrighted right. at this point, right. let alone the doctor and everything else. But this was one of the most unabashed assaults on copyright infringement I'd ever seen. And I did, I was able to research it and I found the company that was selling it and they were literally listing it online as Aprilia racing motorcycle, uh, Aprilia racing motorcycle. But that was, he bought it on Alibaba. Well, that's because, you know, I'm surprised they haven't cracked down. So when you go to like eBay or anything, mm-hmm. Alibaba, for plastic for um, sport bikes, you can get like complete plastics now and decked out in like superb livery for like four hundred bucks for the whole set. Yeah. It's amazing. But like, I mean, and, like, nobody cracks you, down on that. Or and anything? it's weird. Th- and this has more structural rigidity than any of that crap. Well, I'm not yeah, no, lie. no, none of it's none of it's. Good. I have I have installed it on a CB, CBR three hundred. A guy brought me a bunch of eBay stuff, and yeah. it literally was this pop can. Yeah. It, it makes air tech look like long lasting oh, yeah. durable shit. Yeah. Uh, but my biggest complaint right now is we, we you know, there's 5,000 YouTube videos of guys that say, I bought the cheapest motorcycle you could buy on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And that asshole's got 1.2 million views, right? Maybe we should buy something cheap like that. And get all the views. And then, you remember, I, you and were, then I will ride it like down the street with like fireworks flaming out of the back of it. <laughs> Tom wasn't here when we built them. Oh mm-hmm. God! Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did this. Several Tom, times. we did this. Damn it! I had we all we the bought stuff. them. We bought them with real money, and we had a competition <laughs> in my shop where we all got to build them. Yeah, and we all made fun of each other while Damn. we were building them. And Chris and then, passed out liquor. And then you did. You, <laughs> you also tried all the cheapest keep electric scooters. Yeah, we, did. we did that. Right. So I mean, these are things that we have done. The but the but the point being that we got to be a little bit careful because when somebody says like, I don't understand why all these idiots are buying all these fucked up Chinese bikes on the internet. Do you know why? Because guys with two and three million followers are buying them. Mm. On Wish and Alibaba and whatever, and having them shipped to their house and putting them together. And you guys both, everyone, oh, a couple of people at this table posted up a fucking lead for some $250 motorcycle the other day. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah, because like, because Liza buys the Amigo that's like a Tau Tau, a fake Tau Tau, like a knockoff Tau Tau. And she's like, oh, it's not that bad. Shut your damn mouth. It is that bad. Yeah. It is that bad. Let's stop saying, let's stop couching things. Well, no, you know what it is? The Here- sidecar she bought, who was there? Oh, who saw the sidecar? Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to give you a range. One star is it's really bad and dangerous and nobody should buy it. Five stars is I'm going to buy another one right now. Where is her sidecar rig? At zero. It, it got a star? No, it didn't get a star. No, it see, it doesn't get a, get a star. Okay. Well, no, I, no one ever gets a five-star rating. <laughs> no. But here, but no, now no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Who was it that came back with the shock? It was bent like a like a fucking rainbow. Yeah, no, and the like, thing's terrible. <laughs> it was just terrible. But no, but here's 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 what Liza has. She hasn't she, gotten her money back yet. No, I understand that. But like what you're yeah. saying about that other little bike, the Tao Tao, right? Right. So when you buy a Chinese bike, same thing happened to me when I bought my Tao Tao little thing. When you first get it, you're like... Hey, this isn't that bad because you you realize like what like you're expecting it to be worse. Like you honestly, are, when you buy it, you're like, 
wow. I mean, like it didn't seem that bad. And at first I put it together, everything ran. I was like, man, this is not too bad. Wheels are But it's like a little bit of time into it, you start to see the flaws and they kind of sneak out at you. Like, oh, that metal is a little softer than I thought it was. Or, oh, wow, that chain stretched two and a half inches in one day. <laughs> like, you know, it's like she will find they, if she puts any time or hours or Oh, no, no. If it, you listen to the podcast, you're going to understand this thing has upgafucked <laughs> enough times to know that just like the the uh, sidecar rig of mystori- mysterious origin, yes. right? That that's in that case, I'm going to argue. I know this is crazy. I'm going to argue that the sidecar rig that was made in Virginia was really made in China. No, I know. No, and I'm going to argue that's that. A lie. And I'm going to argue that the Tao Tao uh, or the, um, the the Amigo, right? These things are giving exactly what they should be giving. And they're giving an education to the people who are dumb enough to fucking buy them. That's it. Um, you guys think that we waltzed into the world of SSRs, like, you know, like a fucking, uh, like, like a, a feather fell down out of the heavens and hit me in the head and said, Phil, you should try SSRs. Hmm. No, I did a year of research prior to getting SSRs. When, when you told me you were selling SSRs, because I had the pre-SSR SSR, the SSRs that you basically bought from the, the shady guy in the flea market. It's and true. It's all I, true. I, 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 a 2018 I like, SSR is not a thing you want to own. Because we, oh, bought, we right. bought like 20 of these things down in New Orleans, my old boss. We bought like 20 of these things, sold them for Christmas. They were all back in three months. Like, what the fuck did you all sell me? And we're like, sorry, we're closed. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. shut all the lights off because fuck that. And you were like, I'm selling SSR. And I'm like, are you smoking crack? It's the exact same experience I had when somebody recently told me that they were selling CF Motos. Ooh. Yeah, you're right. Okay? Because... You got to be fucking careful. Shit changes. Yeah. When we heard about the, the CSC, the, the, the California uh, scooter company bikes, what did we say? Oh, oh, nope. Nope, Whoa. nope, nope. And then what happened? Tim brought his by the shop. We were able to look at Tim's bike and have Tim sitting there saying, okay, that's, I changed that, that, I changed that, that, I changed that. And then all of a sudden we all went, okay, because somebody at CSC cared enough about their name to say, I'm going to address this issue, I'm going to address this issue, I'm going to address this issue. Tao Tao don't give a fuck about oh, their no. name. No, no, no. Okay? They don't. That's the difference. SSR got big enough to the point where SSR gives a shit about their name. It's, well, you brought up... You, CF Moto's a perfect example. We all know the fashion. We all know the V2. It turns R, out... The E-Charm, they were all horrible bikes. It turns out, if you get big enough... You start care- giving a shit. And you have enough money and people yeah. behind you, then you start actually caring a yeah. little bit. And that's where we are being very careful right now. We're kind of watching that, that, that whole zone right now. Because... Absolutely, it is very scary out there. If you're like, oh, you know, hey, I got this thing in my mailbox that says that XYZ companies are going to offer me a, a, a 650cc motorcycle for $34.99. Uh, well, shit. I mean, $39.99, it's in my driveway and it's a 650cc adventure motorcycle. Wait, it's Phil. Buyer beware. Fire fucking beware, Sleep, man. Sleepy yeah, all week, right. all yeah. week on the uh, on the on the text chat has been. Look at this thing. Look at this thing. Look at and it's all adventure bikes in the six hundred range. Yeah, and he has been. I cannot wait until I get to ride one of these things. I'm like, don't you have a Transalp? 
Don't you, have, <laughs> don't you have an Africa twin? You do have an Africa twin. Don't you twin. have? I love my Africa like the twin. The ultimate, the ultimate grand touring I love the fact adventure that bike, and Tom, you were still. He had a super T. I did. I had a super Tenray too. That's the most boring bike. Whatever. It's a good bike though. <laughs> Look, as a mechanic, I love. <laughs> as a mechanic, I love boring. No, but it's just. I want to. I want to get on Mister Coffee and ride Mister. Here's Coffee the problem with the super Tenray. I get the same feeling when I'm on my tractor driving the the grass. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, just, you know what? You know what? I love fancy coffee. I also. love... Love Mr. Coffee, where I push the button, I get coffee. Oh, I love boring bikes or something. Wait a second, you showed us an MV Agusta. Oh, you did. Oh yeah, yeah. you did. That was an insane, insane. Uh, 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 tell me, tell me more. Sixty yeah. of them are being made. Okay, uh, it's got oh. something like two hundred and eleven horsepower. Oh. <laughs> he's he's gonna show. Is it? Is it, he's gonna show up with a Vimoto one day, and I'm just gonna be like, really, man? You go to Adventure Rider or something. Or something. <laughs> or wait, no, it wasn't. I'm look, look. You know what? I'm absolutely certain on this. I'm absolutely certain that the phrase MV Augusta Adventure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> has enough horsepower that I'm not even going to have to spell it right. No, right. no. I'm going to spell it wrong. No, the I'm pro- going to spell the, it wrong, the problem is when and you, it's still going to get it right. The problem is when you say MV Agusta Adventure to me, what that means is you're riding an MV Agusta and you're going to have an adventure to fix the fucking thing where you're trying to <laughs> no, get to. No, because I think oh, it, I, might, it might have a Kawasaki H2 motor in it. It doesn't matter what it has. It I, says MV Agusta on the side, which means automatically I'm, it I'm has serious. problems built in. I think I think they might have put a Kawasaki H2 motor, supercharged motor, into it. What is it? Uh, it's like 220 fucking some horsepower or some shit like that. <laughs> what is it? Oh, God. What's the, uh, I mean, not. What adventure rider. That's, that's, that's adventure the funny rider. part is the last time I worked on an MV I'm Agusta. Doing right I'm, not, I'm not lying when I say this. The last MV Agusta I worked on was uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie's it's Brutale. Really- <laughs> It's really nice. tough. <laughs> I think I still have the quarter inch extension that they had. Is this the, the Turismo Veloce? Oh, I don't. <laughs> it says MB Agusta, man. <laughs> I mean, when you go to their when you go to their website, it's LXP. Okay, I'm going to throw <laughs> this up because if if you're not a person that understands gives a shit that, about MB Agusta, <laughs> no, you get, I'm telling you guys, you you got to be real careful about this shit because. You know, I had somebody talk trash to me one time about how Ferraris were unreliable, right? They're very reliable if you have enough money to make them reliable. And I'm going to say yeah. that if you're drinking from the fucking Ferrari bottle, yeah. having somebody to work on your shit for you is not the biggest problem you're going to have that day. Envy is just like Bimota. They make really amazing looking motorcycles. They look beautiful. And that's what the same with Ferrari. They make very beautiful things. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say a thing, right? I'm gonna say a thing. And the thing I'm gonna say is uh Moto Guzzi Grizzo. Yes. The first time I saw a Moto Guzzi Grizzo, a little pin fell out in the back of my brain. <laughs> and I did something stupid. I signed up to be a Moto Guzzi dealer. Yep. Then the, the yeah, I can't say the Chintaro. The um, no, nothing. There's the V11 nothing. Daytona is pretty much what sold me mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, I just I'm, yeah, I'm gonna okay. pop it up here for you guys. Uh, one of the things that I I have to say about every single Moto, every single MV Agusta, yeah. in the world, yeah. is that I haven't seen an ugly one in about twenty fucking years, right? Maybe maybe longer, right? The was it the um, they're excessively the F- beautiful? Oh yeah, 
I mean, it, they're just excessively it, beautiful it's motorcycles. It's the bike Ducati wants to be. Um, that's that's kind of where they're at. Is it's a whole there it's it is. different level. It's it's Ferrari versus Lamborghini. Is literally what you're looking at as design wise. Look I'm how sexy that so, thing is, dude. I mean, I am <laughs> so absolutely. But that's, that's still the what is it? Not the Pegaso. The um, if you say Kajiva Elephant, I'm gonna fucking not smack Kajiva you. Elephant. Uh, this the, is um, not what that is. This no, no, look at the ladder bar um, tail. It's like a Cap- GS, but it's what like is a, the Capo Nord? The Aprilia Capo Nord? Yeah. It, it, to it's me, it looks like similar to that. It looks like somebody took a GS and uh, and uh, the no, not the Kajiva. Ducati, the Ducati, yeah, yeah. The Ducati and a GS and smushed them together. Right, man. and I'm definitely of the camp where there is only a short, as short of a period of time as possible before there is a Desert X in my driveway. And I have owned many Ducatis before, mm-hmm. and I am going to make a declarative statement: is that there will be a Desert X in my driveway. I. Uh, I cannot get around how beautiful that motorcycle is and how also I will never ask it to do anything that it was designed and engineered to do. It it looks like it looks like retail on that. What? Oh, this has got to be, you have to ask, you can't afford it. Easy. It's up there. But it it literally, it literally looks like a Capo Nord. If you put the, uh, what's the displacement on that? This a thousand cc's. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Thousand mm-hmm. cc's, but is it supercharged? Is that is that I right don't think or no? So. No, I don't think so. So what bike had the, the F, H2? The oh. F4. Yeah, the, the uh, MV Gusta F4. So that's a Kawasaki. No, no, that's an MV Gusta. MV Gusta. Oh. Welcome back. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I blacked out there. For <laughs> <laughs> I I no, it's a nine hundred and fifty cc triple. Yeah. No. Oh, so it's an FZ01. <laughs> it's a speed triple. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other thing, too, is remember that MV Augusta is in the same house as KTM now. Why are we talking about the new Trans Up that's coming out for $10,000? 10 grand. XL750. Yep. Beautiful. 10 grand. It no, is no, a, no longer a V twin. Also um, true. Parallel twin. Yeah, it's a parallel twin. It's the it's the, what we talked about in a previous podcast. How everybody in the world has decided it's cheaper to build parallel twins. It's Honda's version of the Versys. I think you're right. Yeah, but probably better because it's a Honda. <laughs> oh, that's a tough one though because I don't know. I I used to be right there with you. I used to be straight up like, dude, it, it come looks on. better. It looks better. I'll say it does that. look better. It does look better. Do you know what the right thing that they got absolutely 100% right about the brand new Honda 750 Transalt? Is it looks like a fucking Transalt. It just looks like a goddamn Transalt. It looks as much like the Transalt that Steve had as as anything else. I'll pull it up so we can we can just have a gawk at it. But it does the it, stance is just right. The stance is right. It, it, the paint scheme. They honored the fucking paint scheme, man. Like they they said, we are aware that an old Transalp exists, and that most of the people who are going to buy this are also aware because they're all fifty plus year old white men, and they designed a motorcycle specifically that we would buy it, and that's a powerful move. I mean. Yeah, yeah, I, I give them that. Honda, Honda had that part of the marketing figured out. When everyone says like, "Oh, Honda fucks up marketing," ah. I don't think so. I, I think the Transalp 750 is pretty much straight on the money with the with the marketing. They know what I want to buy now that I finally have the money to buy it. 
And it's it's got gold rims, man. Yeah, that's the important thing. It's got gold rims. Also, I'm from not, the factory. I'm not crazy. Um, I knew I fucking read an article about an adventure bike with the H2 motor. Oh, tell me more. It's by Mota. Oh, by Mota, yeah. Uh, I Mota Terra. And I look at this. And there, it's the first adventure bike ever with hub-centric steering. I know. How so crazy Peter, is that? are you going to buy yeah. one of those to, to match up with your brother? No. Okay. Oh, you're... When I look at this particular Honda Transalp, oh. I am willing to forgive the fact it does not have a V-twin. There's one one thing that I can't live with with that bike. Oh, that hold on. Stop. I want to figure it out. It's the front fender. No. Oh, it doesn't have a schnabel. No, I think I see what he's talking about. Talk to me, Goose. Oh, extremely fragile exhaust mounted underneath the motorcycle. Exactly. Yep. Yep. You're right. You're not going to be able to rock that thing off a rock. No, you're, you're not. exactly right. Oh, see, yeah. as a person that never goes in the dirt, I didn't notice that. <laughs> well, every time, every time yeah. I hear a rock hit my skid plate, like like just bash it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bash plate. Yeah. That's a bash plate. I, I say ring the bell. Ring the bell. <laughs> yeah, it's like so you ring the bell on this, you're going to crush those so, pipes and oh, or like yeah, that converter. Is, that is a total pavement princess. It will never leave the mall parking lot. So Maybe here's great my on, answer for that. Those like two head that. pipes You're come right. down into a hardened steel safe box. Uh, that is a it's a collector for the two oh, yeah. pipes, but it's also a bash plate. It's a Rika. Yeah. It's the Rika exhaust box. You really? saw that today. Yeah. But yeah. it's it's really plate steel. You know right. what I mean? Like I mean, do you, do you it's really the muffler want, or it's a pre muffler? Do you really want your catalytic converter rocking off a rock? If it's strong enough. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, my Africa twin pipes go down that way, and, and I have a bash plate, and I have no problems. Yeah. I mean, also, I'm not jumping off 10 feet cliffs mm-hmm. or anything, but, you know. Mm-hmm. I can't, I also going to boomerang back. I cannot believe that Sleepy just recommended a uh, Bimota. <laughs> I didn't well, recommend it. I you know just what? said I thought of it. Here's, that is a handsome bike, though. Here's, with an eye towards it's the, with a, an eye towards the aftermarket and not at the EPA. Yeah. Move those pipes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Move those pipes, get rid of that fucking catalytic converter, and you've just picked up fucking four and a half inches of ground clearance. You know what the problem I have with all this? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> all of these adventure touring bikes. Mm-hmm. Look, I mean, and I, and I realize it's a thing. They're basically trying to make a, a street dirt bike. <laughs> They all look almost exactly the same. All the designs are well, almost that's, exactly. You know why? Okay. Though, and I get it. It's a it's hold on. A, no, I believe it's not the style. It's it's because you want the wind to cut so it's not well, hitting your legs. You want you, that windshield. If I mean, you look at that that headlight, for example, that's a V Strom. That basically is the new V Strom X. Yeah, but aren't these all and, just Perry to car bikes? Like, yeah, aren't I these mean, all yeah. just? Yeah, that's well, like saying, like, oh my god, that Kawasaki looks exactly like that RM250. Right. Like, yeah. all the dirt bikes yeah. are dirt bikes; they're just different yeah. colors. And that's you that's know? the thing I mean, is, really, at this point, you're just selling a motor. Are, are, well, I mean, this is a conversation well, we had about. But I mean, this. that's because, dude, like, it's like the def- the definition of what an adventure bike should be is it should be wind blocking. It should have right. a good windscreen. It should yeah. have a good tail section that you can put bags and on. And it's a parallel yeah. twin, and it's going to put out forty five horsepower. And yeah, okay, well, you want to upgrade? You want to upgrade? That's untrue, dude. Because you could get a hundred and eighty horsepower adventure bike yeah. from Ducati, or yeah. you could get a hundred right. horsepower BMW. And there's a whole, or I could just buy a Beastrom <laughs> Beastrom one thousand and get everything I want. Well, that's a certain aspect, but it's, I mean, that are, argument's are been kind of beat now? to death. No, Tom, was, Tom's living in forums 10 years ago. I can, like, yeah, and I can absolutely <laughs> agree that, that even my 13-year-old Multistrada. That's 160 horsepower. Is 155 horsepower. Yeah. But it has four riding modes. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've had two of them. I had the the sport model, the S model that had the fully electronic adjustable Olean suspension, which is magical, but unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You know, it can do it, but it doesn't need that to do it. Kind of explains Ducati. <laughs> and then the second one I got is more basic and stripped down. So the one I've got at the shop right now is more basic and stripped down. And it's a joy to ride. I mean, it is absolutely a joy. You press the sport button. And it gives you absolutely as much 155 horsepower and well over 100 torques that you would ever fucking want out of one of the happiest V-twin motors I've ever met in my life. Yeah. Absolutely. It's delightful to ride. The brakes are brilliant. The suspension is fucking fantastic. Now, I've never taken it in the dirt. It has a button for that. It, it also reduces has slicks, it, basically. Too. Yeah, but it reduces <laughs> it from 155 horsepower to down well under 100 horsepower mm-hmm. because it. Ducati said, if you're going to go in the dirt, this is the traction package that we think you should have, and it still plays nice with an ABS. It still plays nice, nice with its traction control, and there's a big giant button on the dashboard that you can press to turn those objects off. So you can take it back to being a motorcycle um, with no traction control, no ABS, should you need to. Uh, That's great. I think that that level of simplicity is excellent. I will proudly say that that Multistrada is better than any V-Strom 1000 I've ever ridden. Mm -hmm. Even though the Multistrada is 13 fucking years old. Now, let's talk about just getting the job done, Tonka truck style. Yeah, getting the job done Tonka truck style, we're all going to be riding DR650s or something similar to it, right? Yeah, DRs are pretty slow. Again, though. But if you're really off-road, okay, fucking fine. But if you're doing dual sport. We're going to sit here and we're going to beat our dicks to death when we're talking about <laughs> KLR650s versus DR650s. And that's the argument that we're going to have because all the old white guys with beards all have the same argument. Right. Right? Pete, Rotella Pete, is your answer. Riding, <laughs> Pete, you're riding... Uh, your GS is what year? It's a 2017 F800. 2017. F800. Okay. So I've known you to have, you had the... Uh, I still have my R1150 you your, Do you GSA. save your GSA? Yes. You, so you still have your GSA? I rode it uh, Wednesday. But 300, okay. 300 miles on Wednesday. And that GSA is fucking God's gift to motorcycles. That was, it was the one from, it kind of started the adventure riding craze. It's been yep. kind of credited with that because of Long Way Round. It was the yep. bike that uh, and McGregor rode yeah. in Long Way Round. And at the end of Long Way Round, we all knew he chose the wrong motorcycle. But... It's because KTM turned him down. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's all it is. I mean, yeah. I was happy they ended up on he, BMW. I was happy they ended up on BMW. He just has to deal with a blown crank. He's fine without KTM. <laughs> but... When we when we are talking about like you've been to the BMW riding schools, have, and you've made the choice to be on an eight hundred cc, which is fucking saying a lot. I mean that's pretty serious. Um, some of the people that I ride with, they're like, oh, if it's not the GS, if it's not at least twelve hundred cc's, don't even bother. Why even bother? But I honestly have ridden a bunch of those, and they are not what I want to ride. I love them, and I think they're great, and that's cool, and they're remarkably light. Uh, for anyone who thinks that a 1,200cc motorcycle is heavy, ride a GS. If, well, it's heavy. It just carries its weight well. It carries yeah. its weight remarkably well. The biggest problem for me is two. It's, they're two giant goddamn cylinders that are hanging out in front of my feet at all times, and I have a 34-inch inseam, and I have already got a problem where I put my fucking legs 
And BMW didn't make that job any easier. Uh, That's why I get the foot rests. <laughs> Again. They hang off the cylinders. Right. <laughs> I same experience. I love the 800. I think the 800's extraordinarily a better bike for the kind of riding I'm going to do. That's when what it comes I, down to. What do you want to do with it? Well, yeah, what do you, how are you going to use it? Because nobody's put more R&D into this particular segment than KTM and BMW. I think KTM and BMW have put more R&D into the idea of an adventure bike than anyone I else I think has. Honda was right there. I think Honda helped initiate I, it with the original Africa Twin and, I, and all that I'm stuff. kind of sleepy on this. I think Don't Honda ride the Honda on. Africa Twin off-road. That's my little safety mm. tip for all of you. <laughs> Do, I mean, sorry. So what's the... Um, I'm sorry. Transalp. Yeah, because the Africa Twin. Or the old Africa Twin. Yeah, the old one. Yeah. Right. The saying. new Africa Twin's pretty fucking magical. No, but the old one, yeah. the, the original, yeah. like the Africa yeah. Africa Twin, yeah. I mean, that competed in Dakar. Sure well, did. That's, that's the one they used for the, the uh, what was they called dispatch bikes back in the day? I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that I do not possess the skills to squeeze any of what these bikes can do out of them. Oh, yeah. And when the you, couple when you of see times. Those trial guys. Doing trials with the 700-pound fucking... Bu- yeah. <laughs> when yeah. you watch Chris Birch saying, I'm going to jump from this part that's not the road <laughs> right. to this part that's not the road, but the road's in between. Yeah. A two-lane. Yeah. And, and he's like, oh, just send it. When I watch a guy like that maneuver around a very heavy adventure motorcycle, if you don't watch his YouTube videos, I strongly recommend it. He's also the guy that teaches you how to do wheelies and not hurt yourself. Like... That he's probably the best intuitive motorcycle instructor that I've ever watched on YouTube and went out and tried his shit and didn't get hurt. Um, pretty, pretty fucking solid cat. Everything in his world is like, yeah, yeah, it better be at least a thousand cc's. I, I don't even want to try what I'm doing on something less than a thousand cc's. I still regret not getting that R80 GS. Oh, yeah. That was stupid. Oh, the cheapy one? <laughs> Pete, Pete's just straight up like, fuck yeah, man. What's wrong with you? Buy the R80. I could have got it for 700 bucks. Uh, you would have put seven. You that wasn't seven, real. You would have put <laughs> seven. That was. No, it wasn't. I, I saw pictures of it. Uh, would you have like a yellow tank or something? No, I think it was a blue the and tank white. tank was rusty. It was a blue and it white. surface rust. I looked at it quick. I talked with the guy. Wasn't it advertised as a 1979 or something? It's a 78. They didn't make R80 GS in 78. Yes, they do. Do you still have it saved? That was the first year. Seventy-eight. Oh no! Here we go. Oh, believe me, I I lived through this the first time. I'm sitting back. I I told you all. I said hell no, and I'm the guy. It was real. It sold. I mean, it was. It was. I think there was. He had a guy coming who was giving him seven hundred. It was. It was the. If I said I I could show up with eight hundred now, I mean I could have had it. It was the blue and white one, not the bumblebee. It was weird. It looked yellow, but when you 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 could tell it was actually just like. Yeah. It had surface rust all over the tank. It it's, looks like some kind of Franken bike that some, it, somebody built a GS on a R. Well, because they didn't do it didn't the single swing arm until what eighty three. The first true GSs came out like eighty three. Yeah, because that was when they that was when everything went to single swing arm because they were trying to do the K bikes and then everybody went no fuck you we want the airheads back. Yeah, <laughs> but eighty to eighty to eighty seven was that window of the R eighty GS to the R one hundred GS. Um, anybody know our friend Johnny Chef from Chicago? He's, he runs down to Mexico and, and uses these vintage GSs and just rocks through Mexico on these things. And I, I have to live vicariously through him because, you know, he's doing great. He, he's rocking this shit. But it is one of my 
that is one of those things I would love to do. I would love to do an adventure on one of these old fucking airheads. Uh, Every one that I've ever had, I've enjoyed thoroughly, but I've also never had the balls to be like, you know what we should do is we should take this off road. Never even crossed my mind. Every single one of these I've ever had was a street bike and they are at no point would I ever look at a motorcycle like this and go, you know, let's take that in the dirt because it was designed by the Germans to be a road bike. And the idea of GS Galandestrasse, it's just seems impossible to me with a bike that is wider than God put two trees. Uh, Every every single time I look at this motorcycle, I just picture myself coming between two well-placed trees and coming to a very quick stop. Uh, Also because I'm not a very good off-road rider. And I spend a lot of my time leaning against trees, right? Um, even out at Hoffert's property, when we cut out the pine, you know, the, the, the happy glades, we cut out those pine trees and I'm blasting through the middle of them. I'm always doing the same thing. Please don't let my hands hit a tree. Please don't let my hands yeah, hit a tree. Dude, I can't believe none of us killed ourselves. Like, that was Why only you got to say something like that? There's only an inch and a half on either side of the handlebars. Man. The happy glades, again, things that I still do in my life that are going to hurt me. I still ski in the woods like Sonny Bono. <laughs> I am still the guy who's like, the pine trees are really close together. That's where I'm skiing because it's exciting and adventurous and it looks pretty, right? But I have hit, Merritt calls it the 20 mile an hour hug. When you're just like, I've planned for this incorrectly. I cannot make this turn in time. I am not a good enough skier to do what I need to do. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to absorb an entire tree into my body. And then I'm going to deflect that tree, like, like dancing with a heavy woman. She's coming at you. You got her. But you don't want to take all the force yourself. So you just kind of deflect her. Mm-hmm. But you hang on. And so this way you can lose all that speed, that amateur speed, and hang on to the tree as the kid next to you just goes fucking looping off of a mogul that shouldn't be anywhere near those trees. Because skiing in the woods is a weird thing. And when you're not a good skier and you're in the woods, you realize very quickly how much speed you can develop between two pine trees. (laughs) And it's remarkable how fast you can go when you relinquish the hold of one pine tree and you get another pine tree. When you're not in the woods, you can choose how fast you go by turning when you want to slow down. (laughs) When you're in the woods, you can only turn... Where other people have turned. Where other people have turned. You cannot choose where you're going to turn. You have to choose to turn where the trees where, are not. Where the trees are not. That can get fast yes. because you don't have a choice. It gets fast really fast. <laughs> yeah. And if you're not good on skis, like I, you know, I have snowboards and I have skis, and I'm not what anybody would consider to be like good, like we're following that guy. Um, <laughs> usually it's, it's just I'm taller and I'm heavier and I'm older than the people I'm skiing with. So it's just like, they're like, you made it to the bottom. Well done. Let's go have a cocktail. Uh, but I'm You're here in the motorcycle world. When I'm riding around in the dirt or around trees, I love that being in the forest, all the area in the back of AMA vintage days where they do the trials riding and everything else. That is where you're going to find me. I'm going to be back. That's where you're skiing. Uh, but I'm skiing on my motorcycle in a t-shirt instead of all that gear, that heavy shit. And I love that. I love that feeling of being in the woods among the trees. 
when people have taken me places like Moab and they're like, okay, well, this is where we're riding motorcycles today. And I'm like, there are no trees to grab onto. (laughs) There's just slick rock that I can just slide down for the rest of my life until I die. Or the motorcycle becomes no longer recoverable, Mm. right? Uh, I'm not happy with that yet. My friends are like, oh, we're going to go out in the desert and go ride motorcycles in the desert. How do you feel about that, Pete? You've done quite a bit of that. When can we go? Exactly. Yeah. This is your. This is what you like. That was yeah. one of my dream vacations: was go skiing in the mountains and go motorcycling riding. in the yeah. desert. Yeah. yeah, I've ridden in the desert three times on motorcycles. I promptly found myself at a velocity where I was like, "Look, if I go slower than this, I'm going to sink in the sand, and I'm not going to go anywhere." Now you got to get up and float. Once you start floating, then you're good. You're yeah, just- but then you discover things that are there. Well, yeah. I mean, I. I I've only ridden like in deserty kind of things yeah. twice, and both times you got to follow the trails. Like you don't uh, go off trail. I realized very quickly that the road stopped being part of my motorcycle. Like we we broke that that combination, and it was thirty six feet till I stopped rolling. <laughs> and and that was that thing where I got up and I was like, wow, I'm really far away from anybody who can help me. Yeah. Because I had decided, like, I'll just fuck off. Like, look at that. There's all these people riding dirt bikes around there. I'm going to go ride with those guys. And I went and rode with those guys for a while. And then I just started wandering further and further away. And now I understand why my people carry things like, you know, GPS emergency emitters Spot. that yeah. can help them or at least can let them people know where you are. Where to find the course. When you talk about riding along the border of Mexico, like, that whole thing sounds really, really appealing to me. Oh, yeah, I mean... You talk about sand. First time I went to Mexico, we're in Baja. Yeah. And we were riding with these guys from San Diego. Yeah. And they say, hey, this trail gets a little sandy. Well, a little sandy to a guy from California is a little different from a little sandy to a guy from Ohio. A little sandy to me means I can still see the yellow stripe through it. Exactly. Right. (laughs) (laughs) The sand was halfway between. The depth of the tire and the the hub. I mean, oh really? Like, yeah, yeah. We're like, so if you weren't if you weren't on a gas, you weren't floating on it, right? And it was like you you come to an immediate stop. Yeah. So, uh, or the transition. I came. We came out of like a I don't know what you call it woods. It's not woods. But yeah. Like like planty area, and it was more rocks and things. And I was doing about twenty five miles an hour, and there was. An abrupt entrance into sand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> whoa, so whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I took an abrupt, I took an abrupt uh, ejection over the handlebars pretty decently. <laughs> yeah, it's rem- it's remarkable how how gently the motorcycle comes to a stop, and you don't. But you don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the deceleration factor is more than your wrists and asshole can endure. <laughs> yeah, so it's like okay, well, I've stress tested your wrists and your grip. They failed. Yep. <laughs> now we're right? going to check your collarbones. Right. Now yep. we're exactly. And you know what else I learned? I'm going to have a double broken collarbone. <laughs> I learned all about jumping cactus that day. What? Cacti. You, you know what junking? Yeah. You know what they are? So like when you crash in this stupid sand, you get this, sometimes if you hit the cactus, you get this like ball of cactus on you, right? Okay. But so like, you know, usually if it's a normal cactus, you get a stick or something, you go whoosh and it, it leaves. Okay. Well, well, seems fair. <laughs> jumping cactus have barbs in them and stuff. So what happens is most of them come out, but then a few stay in. So it just goes and then Oh, sticks. so it literally finds a new spot to stick to you? <laughs> so you have to have people carry forks and Fork, then they take yeah. they take the, the splines and they splay them like yeah, this. Yeah. And so then you have a, a, a fork to remove the jumping cactus from <gasps> you when you hit the stuff. 
it what sucks. The fuck? And then when you get back, because like it's weird, because like once it comes out, you get relief, right? Yeah. And you're like, and then yeah. you do your ride. Yeah. Later that night, it's like ants and bees have stung you, and now they're eating the inside of your arm. The venom dude. starts. Oh, to- dude, <laughs> it sucks. Oh man, that's awful. But it is pretty. <laughs> it is pretty. <laughs> but it is pretty. So that's going through your jacket. Oh yeah, dude. They're they're this long. Those cacti. I mean, they're no joke. <laughs> The spines on that's them a fuckers. good solid nine inches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cleveland <laughs> <Moto> nine. <laughs> uh, speaking of traveling, I got to, I got to stay in a pretty interesting hotel this week. Oh, oh yeah, you were in a better Florida than I was. Yeah, I was in a different Florida than you were. I kept seeing your post, and I'm like, Steve is so miserable. My tie. I posted. You posted something, and I put my description of where I was. I'm like, I deleted it. I'm like, no, no, I didn't want to. Find it. <laughs> I was surrounded by religion. You were with <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man. I gotta say, in walls in areas. He was literally in heaven's waiting room. You can't oh, even tell it's man. Florida because everything is walls and strip malls. Like, that's all there was was walled in communities and I strip just, malls. I don't understand. Like, I get the whole thing about, like, you don't want to be around snow. Because, eh, you know, I like my snow sports and stuff. I, I, I love that. I enjoy going out in the woods in the, in the wintertime. I get that, but I also love the ocean breeze, and I also love a cocktail next to a palm tree. You don't uh, with I, my I, feet in the sand. Oh, I got you didn't was, get any of that. I got ninety-four degree weather with one hundred eighty percent humidity in November. I'm <laughs> sad for you, man. That is <laughs> fucked up, man. That's, that, I mean, that's and fucked sinkholes. up. Meow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <And> sinkholes. <laughs> but anyway, so so then, so as I was suffering, I looked over and I saw your grand vista. So go ahead and pick up what you were talking yeah, about. Yeah. So um, I didn't realize this 25 years ago, but apparently I have started collecting uh, pink hotels. Uh, that I've been to a couple pink hotels in my life. Um, actually getting to be borderline quite a few. And uh, it turns out that my sister lives in St. Pete, mm-hmm. okay? And my sister has trained me. You either say the full thing, St. Petersburg, mm-hmm. or you say St. Pete. Yep. You don't say St. Pete's. Apparently, saying St. Pete's is not the thing you do. What about Peberg? Oh, that's Pittsburgh. I've been there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, no, you don't say that either. So, uh, but the, the trick is apparently that, uh, St. Pete, uh, one of the things that you can't miss when you're in St. Pete, anywhere you drive in St. Pete, you're going to see this big pink bastard. Uh, this is it. This, this is a motherfucker. This is the hotel Don Cesar. Did Wes Anderson design, build, and <laughs> shoot a movie? Seriously. <laughs> okay, so this was built in 1928, just in time for the Great Depression. Ah, 28, nice. Ooh. And uh, so <laughs> its first fuckers. its first few years didn't go so well. Yeah. No, it didn't have the kind of impact on society that they thought it would when all the people around it were broke and falling out of windows. Uh, it's not a it's not that kind of a place, right? So it. It is a beautiful old hotel. It is a grand dam, as they say. But Art Deco, just fucking, this is Art Deco Bukaki. This is too much <laughs> Art Deco. This is all the Art Deco. But they've got two cool pools, two awesome, neat, you know, medium, moderate-sized pools. There is no doubt when you're in this place that it is from 1928. But interesting fact, did I mention the Depression? 
so they couldn't fill it with humans uh, for that certain period of time. So the military bought it, and after World War II, this is where all of our injured airplane operators and air crewmen came to get their shit together because there's a big-ass air corps base very close to this. So that's pretty cool. So there's that history. Uh, Some Like It Hot was filmed here. Uh, A bunch of stuff got filmed here. It was pretty cool. But uh, neat hotel, super fun. And what I thought was interesting is, uh, turns out in November, not expensive. Hmm. No kidding. Not expensive. And the, ho- the, the, you know, the rooms are cool. We were in, if you look on the left side of the hotel, there's three little windows in a stack, one, two, three. Yeah. We were in the top left one. Um, and now, to take this picture, you would have to be a dolphin because uh, this picture was clearly taken from somebody standing in the water. And the water is beautifully blue water and you're still looking at a white sugar beach right it's fucking perfect but if you do find yourself south of tampa or west of tampa and you are looking for an interesting place to go the bar is top notch uh if you like classic cocktail bars it's a really good bar the room's fantastic the, like the whole place is pretty badass mm. uh it's gatsby level badassery and it is not expensive if you're looking for last minute accommodations you know I wouldn't want to have, host a wedding here. I have a feeling they'd <laughs> fuck you over. See those cabanas on the beach? Yeah. Those cabanas on the beach, if you are staying there, you get one umbrella and three beach chairs. Nice umbrella and three beach chairs as part of your room. Oh, gratis. Gratis. Now, the cabana things have a queen-size bed in them, uh, and it has the, the awning thing that goes over it. $200 a day, Ooh. which is more than we paid for the entire goddamn room. Wow. Yeah. So for us to have gone to a beach cabana thing, it would have cost us more than we paid for the whole fucking room. So you said last minute travel. Yeah. So I have a tip. Yes. So um, my my travel to Florida came unexpectedly, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, it was for my my father in law's funeral. I yes. Had to go down right. Or whatever. So you know it was coming, coming, coming. All of a sudden it was there. I was like, fuck, man. Me and B need tickets. Amy already mm-hmm. had hers. So I originally looked it up, and, and the cheapest I could find, because it was only three and a half days before, four days, no, three and a half days before we had to go, yeah. $940 a ticket. Whoa! So I was like, Whoa. I'm like this is really going to suck, you know, because like, you know, I didn't want to dip That was $79 on Spirit. Right. Right. <laughs> so, well, this is last minute, though. I'm sure yeah, you okay. Little thing. I got gotcha, you, yeah. So I was like, I don't want to dip in the savings. Like, this sucks. That's I'm a lot mad. of money. I went to Expedia. I went to all the different places, yeah, right? Right. But Expedia had this thing called Flight Lottery. And I was like, what's this? It was like, would you like to save up to 75% off your flight? And I said, yes, I would. You had me at save. Yeah. So right. they say it'll be on these five airlines. So it's not Spirit or Schlepley's or whatever. Oh, it's okay. like United, right, right, right. Delta, like all the big yeah. ones, right? right? And then it says you have to pick the, the, the leaving date, the arrival date. Or I'm sorry, the... the your departure date and your yeah. return date. Right. And then it gives you six-hour windows. Six Options. Min- noon, right. noon to six, but this, that's your window. Okay? I like it. No other information. You're, that's they, fair enough. They can't give you any other information. I get that. So and once you get through all that, you hit next, and it says you can get these flights for $192 each. And it says, do you commit? You say yes, it charges your card. Boom, dude, we got... Um, no, no connection. So direct flights yeah. for me and B. Yeah. Total for four hundred and two bucks round trip, both there and back. So we left Friday, got back on Monday. Yeah. Direct flights, painless, and, easy, everything. And you didn't have to fly on Frontier or Spirit. No, and none of that crap. Good for all. you. So but I, just, I didn't know it existed, and I was flipping yeah. out. But so, and it only works, I guess, if you're within a five day of departure. That's brilliant. 
Because, you know, obviously they're just filling seats. But that's my favorite way to travel, honestly, is mm. fuck it, let's let's go. That's right. what this was all about. We said, fuck it, let's go. Merritt was doing a thing in Atlanta. We went to Trader Vic's. I was in I was in Atlanta long enough to go to Trader Vic's. Your hair that was, was perfect. Fucking great, man. Seriously, <laughs> if you have never been to a Trader Vic's in your fucking life, there's damn few of them left. There are very few Trader Vic's left in the world. If you're in Dubai, you have a better luck at going to a Trader Vic's than you do in the United States. Wow. But the story behind Trader Vic's is kind of epic. Uh, it's a great history. It's a great history lesson. But more importantly, it's one of the few places that actually gets the cocktail right and gets the food right. The, the only one I've ever been to Go ahead. was Portland. Yeah. And it burned down it shortly It burned down after. shortly. Right, right. The Trader Vic's that's in Atlanta... Uh, I had nothing to do with it. A Trader Vic that's in Atlanta is bigger than it needs to be. The art is amazing. Uh, Many, many movies have been shot there because it's kind of a badass room. It is a badass room. Like when you're in that room, when you're in that room and you're drinking a Mai Tai, $7 on Thursday night, by the way. No. uh, Yeah, that's dangerous. That's just another tip from Yankee Phil. (laughs) Fucking dangerous right there. That tip probably (laughs) saved you 70 bucks. Uh, But when you go in there, like, take the elevators. Don't walk down the stairs. Don't go down the escalator, whatever. Get in the goddamn... Because at the Atlanta Hilton, the architecture of the building is very strange. The elevators run up the outside of the building. It's very weird, brutalist architecture. But when you take those weird external elevators into the basement to go to Trader Vic's, you're actually arriving in a lava garden. So when you're looking out the elevator into the outside world, your scenery changes into a tropical Hawaiian-style lava garden with moai and shit out there. It's great. The food was epic. Uh, The drinks, I can't say enough, but you're going to walk around the building, and when you walk around the building, it's just fucking cool. It's a really good experience. It's a swanky... the, The term I like to use is it's just as much swank as you can fucking handle. Like... I don't care what you drink when you get there. They've got 18 drinks that have no alcohol. 18 cocktails that have no alcohol whatsoever because they've had to acknowledge that the culture is changing. And you can have stuff that is dynamic, but when you sit and you look around at the room that you're sitting in, you're like, God damn it, this was built when there was no budget. This was built in 1976 when the cocaine, when the cocaine flowed like water. And Atlanta, Georgia in 76... I mean, we're talking about preparation for Olympics. Like, Atlanta was doing great in the 70s. So here's to them for building a really cool institution that stayed around. So I, this, this inspired a question in me. Yeah, yeah, far away. Considering that basically last Thursday was the first of a national holiday for myself and others like me <clears throat> with issue two passing. Oh, oh, oh I, um, I was going to say April 20th is a while ago, no, wasn't yeah, it? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, right. so do you foresee... Now, this is just a question. So... Yeah. So uh, all these tiki bars and stuff were based off the Polynesian kind of life thing, when the, the 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 beaches and the drinks that kind of flow. Bali high. There's a term I use. It's Bali high. So if you watch if you watch the movie, right? Yeah, it's this lie agreed upon. It's this whole like, oh, you know, my dad served overseas in the South Pacific, and a naked girl in a grass skirt, a topless girl in a grass skirt, brought him a rum drink as he lied supine in a hammock draped off of a C-47 cargo plane, right? right? And that's a lie. Uh, Rum didn't enter those islands for many, many years after. 
it's all a lie. Everything about it's a lie. It's it's like how leather culture and Harley Davidsons are based on straight lives. Yeah, and and that most of the <laughs> most of the uh, the art that came into that tiki culture didn't actually come at all from Hawaii. Right. It's mostly being chiseled out by you know, eight year olds in yeah. you know Jakarta, right? right? Uh, so yeah, you're well. So my question yeah. is. Do you think that as as this other thing becomes you know more respectable, mm-hmm. and everything, that there'll be like bars dedicated, like a style of a bar, so it wouldn't be a tiki bar, but no. it'd be like a weedy bar, dude? Dude, dude, there's already pot houses dedicated to the fucking Grateful Dead. No, Get over no, it. I, but have you been? To, but I do want to. I ask, know all that, but I'm saying. Michigan like? Right. Have you have you been to? Have you been to Copenhagen? You've been to Denmark. You've been to yeah the coffee shop. Yeah, I've right. been there. Okay, so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A good point. So it's, maybe it's it would be a like very, a coffee shop. It's a very yeah. cool. Like it would be very bohemian coffee. If you've shop been to Amsterdam, of, like yeah. if yeah. you've been to the Bulldog in Amsterdam, there it has this kind of a feel to it, where you're like, the existence of marijuana in the culture has been there for thirty five or forty five fucking years, right? Yeah. When I got there, my first time going to the Bulldog in Amsterdam, I was like, that was that was a pilgrimage. Yeah, my my 19-year-old ass had to get there, you know? And Uncle Sam put me close enough that I could get there on a train ride, yep. right? So when I went to the Bulldog for the very first time, I was like, I want to embrace this whole thing. If you watch the movie Euro Trip, it's like, it's like oh, we're a Dutch bakery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah simply it's, Dutch bakery. It's just fucking cookies, man, yeah, right? Yeah. Right, but, but it, is absol- it is true that when you look at Michigan, when you look at Denver, that have had this influence for a long enough time now, the only thing that appears strange to you or me, well, not you, because you're fucking broken already. Um, you couldn't smell weed if it knocked you over. Uh, you're, like, we'd be skunked out over here, and you'd be like, I don't see what the problem is. But when you travel in places like that, my first time going to Glenwood Springs after weed became legal, and there were four or five different places in Glenwood Springs, which was normally Glenwood Springs in Colorado is pinky in the air, it's four stars or better, right? Like everything in Glenwood Springs is pretty fucking hoity-toity. It's also one of the most beautiful places to ride a motorcycle. And because at one time you can look down the road and you can see what I like to describe as being the Norman Rockwell National Geographic picture of riding a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. And that is on the right-hand side of your view, you have a railroad track. And then you have a giant fucking river. And then you have mountains. And then you have this ribbon of highway going along it. And when I'm riding a motorcycle and I have those things all converging at the same time, I have a beautiful river, I have a railroad track, and I have a big, beautiful mountain behind it, stunning vista. That, for me, I don't get that in Cleveland. Mm -mm. I get that when I'm traveling. I get that when I'm in Boulder, Colorado. I get that when I'm between two mountains on the western slope somewhere. We kind of got that while John's sleeping, but when we did... We kind of got that a little bit on the Lake Area Loop that last year. Remember when we were down in those weird mountain areas with all the farms and the white picket fences? Oh, yeah. and the, it, was, it was fucking pretty epic down there, man. Wait, it was good. To that point, if I may segue, time? Oh, uh, we're at 1.58. Excellent. Good. This is going to be it. We're going to wrap it up on this unless somebody says something else. Please do. Uh, we are considering, more strongly considering, the idea of this Iron Buddy being an out-and-back adventure. Uh, out to a destination that has not yet been reported back from that destination 12 hours and then uh, 
overnighting, <laughs> not on the bike, overnighting back at the campsite, and then having the second portion of the ride go out and out to a destination, back from a destination. Uh, the original idea being that the entire race would happen within 24 hours has been vetoed uh, by smarter per- people than me and said what we should be doing is we should be having the motorcycles out and back during hours of daylight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that yeah. there's not one arrival party, but two arrival parties, which is even better as far as I'm concerned. Uh, twice as good. Twice well, as good. More two, parties better. More parties is better. And then you could even have the honor of saying, I didn't win the overall, but I won the first heat like a son of a bitch. Um, yeah. And I have an addendum. I thought of this long and hard, and a video from India got me excited. Oh. So any discrepancies that come up, any arguments, will be settled by a buddy tug of war. I saw that video. Yes. And for the record, I strongly agree. Yes. I yes. strongly agree. I, mm-hmm. There is only one thing better than a futile gesture on a motorcycle, mm-hmm. and that is two people committing the exact same futile gesture with 40 feet of rope between them. Yes. It was excellent. There's and by the way, better. the guy who won his technique... Sounds like gay porn. This is <laughs> this is there. It's look, pretty good. Look, Pete, this is reverse this docking. Is scooters. This is buddy, scooters buddy undocking. Yeah. That is all it is. It is just I woke up and look, we were docked. Mm. I can't get out of this fast enough. <laughs> I once won a tug of war against my entire first grade class. <laughs> this is the John point. failed five times though. This is the <laughs> point. <laughs> <laughs> it was a seventh year first grader. Right? <laughs> This is why their football team went to state. <laughs> he had he had his little first grade sweater and it had like six hashtags. John was oh, twenty seven wearing his varsity jacket. Oh <laughs> man, wow. that's terrible. <laughs> but but we should strongly this, consider this tug of war was in the locker room. I was never held back. <laughs> no, we know he only forced his way forward. My God, <laughs> Wait, the idea would be I would hope that. As opposed to just literally super slapping it out for six hours and super slapping it back for six hours, I would like there to be a little bit of creative influence into this thing so that the the journeys outward could be something interesting, interesting, rewarding. What right? if it is summer? Yeah, that's we, the idea. Is no, no, when no. we're doing this is the longest days of the year. Right. Yeah. But yeah. there's probably farm stands that we can figure out. What if on the way out and on the way back we get food supplies and you make a dinner? You, my friend, have just taken this to my level of complication. <laughs> Again, we talk about we talk about an absurd we talk about an absurd and gratuitously inconsequential thing. Right, I'm, I'm ordering a pizza. So like, and so for them corn 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 nothing but corn from Nokomoto will come back with 22 pizzas and I will give him the victory that's true no but what I'm saying is is instead of instead of just having like okay stop at Joe's gas station and get a business card and a fucking cigarette lighter or something like that or whatever to prove that you were out right, there. Right, You could say, right. hey, go to the stand and get their bag or whatever, but have right. the food. Bonus points if you can fucking make it to sound when you get hey, fucking it's back. A, it's a buddy under seat compartment <laughs> at full chat. It's about 140 degrees in there. Yeah, so you can bake yeah. something then. That's fine. That's like a sous vide. <laughs> come, yeah, sous vide. Come back with a summer sausage. You can come back with a little pork shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Visit this Hamish stand. Just put everything in one Ziploc. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> do a little manif- like uh, manifold cooking. Yeah. Do a little in- little motor cooking, and then that's it. 
actually do. I'm not writing it out entirely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not dismissing it I out mean, of hand. Seriously, though, you're, you're, not, you're, not, you're not thinking it out completely either. <laughs> this is also no. true. Thank you. I'm not giving this the amount of time it deserves. No, but I just thought about maybe changing my my buddy's bucket out for a metal one, so I could actually just cook. Think of the heat coming right through it. Okay, well, it. one. You're a vegetarian. You'll yeah. probably survive this incident. I'll have some chili. For anybody else, <laughs> for anybody else, we're going to die. <laughs> right? There's or not come enough, in second. There's not enough yeah. time. There's not enough time for the buddy under seat, the pet warmer, for us to get up to adequate temperature. I'm thinking the chili would be good, though, man. You come yeah. back and smelling a chili. But you could have the entire under, your entire yeah. seat bucket could be like two gallons of chili. Yeah, but there's still ladle sticking out. You know, I'll admit, I so, have not watched enough of I'll The Office. I'll be heating it from the top on my bike but as that, well. Um, but that <laughs> episode of The Office with the chili where he drops the whole entire bucket of chili? Don't know. There's pictures. Well, the only reason I know this Sorry, is it's an office. I know everybody on the planet watched that show. I, I know. Didn't. That's the problem. Is I I've only seen I it like in it. a bar in New Orleans, drunk off <sighs> my ass going, that's funny. So, but. so a florist goes to the barber to get his hair cut. A florist? A florist. He's done. He says, how much do I owe you? The, the barber says, uh, this is my week for community service. There's no charge. Says, I can't believe it. He walks out. Next day, the barber comes to work, and there's a dozen roses outside his door. So he's working away, and then a cop comes in, gets his hair cut. What do I owe you? Hey, it's my week for community service. You don't owe anything. Next day, the barber comes in. There's a dozen donuts there. Later that day, a congressman comes in, gets his hair cut. What do I owe you? Nothing. My week for community service. Next day, the barber comes in. And there's a dozen congressmen standing outside his door. <laughs> hey, always know a good handout when you see one. Nice. He got he, he got lobbied on that one. Yep. That's it. Anybody else got anything else? Pretty solid. I think that's a pretty solid podcast. I don't know. I feel pretty good. Uh, what's that? Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not not today. Not today. No hate mail uh, either. Yeah. No. So. no thank you. Yes, you brought that we up. We did that. get hate mail. Not hate mail. Now we're going It's to. not always hate mail, guys. It's not <laughs> always hate mail. Um, the reason I wanted to bring this up, though, is this is quite significant because it is It is about... Um, hate. Well, podcast from a couple of weeks ago. Oh, okay. So uh, when we do... Again, we are not the kind of podcast that's going to sit there and tell you, to, you know, hey, send your cards and letters to Jesus. That's J-E-S-U-S... Del, Del Rio, Texas. Um, <laughs> Nate Cavanaugh, by the way, $10 member, Nate Cavanaugh, just right, Nate. straight up became a $10 member. Uh, that means he is now going to be getting the punchlines. Yay. And uh, he only took tips. It's so, it is so good to have people just joining. Uh, how about this? And we saved this for the end. Phil Ruby. Not me. Mm -hmm. Phil Ruby. Hi there, guys. Hope you're having a good time with good spirits. For about six years, my trusty steed has been a 1991 Yamaha Virago 750. <laughs> Oops. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. Fair enough. And? Uh, probably not. Hey, you know right. what? If you enjoyed it, you enjoyed it. Absolutely right. He had it running for seven years. Right. I mean, yeah, that's a then that's an excellent. That's a very excellent point too. Yep. Um, yeah. All right. So, but I've had my eyes on the two wheeled recliner Harley Davidson calls the Electric Glide Ultra Classic. 
Okay. Now, I'm not buying new. Something late 90s to around 07. What's your opinion on that? Or should I look around for a metric equivalent to it? I love the exhaust note. I don't put a ton of miles down each year. Somewhere around enough to wear out a cheap tire per season. The Yamaha has been a good bike, but I just need a bigger one. And I have added a fairing and a stereo as well and bags and a top case, so it's probably overloaded. Mm, Okay, maybe. As the current Harley owner of multiple Harleys at this table right now, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say, and I will say this as briefly as possible, and I'm not trying to fuck you up, Phil. You've said some things that are going to put you in a very dangerous position. Harley Davidson has a thing, a disease, uh, a sexually traumatic, like it's a thing that Harley Davidson's have. It's called the twin cam 88. If you are considering any motorcycle that has 1450 CCs, AK 88 cubic inches and a twin cam configuration, which happens to exist on this planet from 1999 until about 2007, which is exactly what you said in your email. Please be extraordinarily careful. There is no cure that isn't really fucking expensive. I'm going to say this because we have alluded to this in podcast past, but I don't think I gave it enough oomph. The timing cam chain tensioners on the Harley-Davidson twin cam 88 motor are plastic coverings riding on metal shoes that are on literal springs. And anytime the motor does revolutions, the timing cam chains slide against these plastic shoes. Now, that is not a good program to begin with. That is a very bad program to begin with. The second thing is these particular motorcycles do run pretty fucking hot just because they are what they are. They are called big twin Harley Davidsons. Now, the fail point. The fail point is that these plastic parts that are on these shoes will invariably get chewed up by the chain, the timing cam chain that is running against them. Is it hard for you to imagine a plastic part being destroyed by a metal chain? No, it's not. It's fucking obvious. No shit, Sherlock. Yeah, BMW uses this to sell more BMWs. Cars. We all know that vinyl wear surfaces, whether it's a 1968 Lincoln Continental 460, right? Timing cam chain components probably shouldn't be made out of vinyl, okay? Um, But it makes the motor run so much quieter. It's a Harley Davidson. They're doing anything they can to get the decibels under the level that the EPA will allow shy of liquid cooling. So since they decided they weren't going to do liquid cooling, they were going to do anything else they could to make the clatter of the motor quieter. Here's the fail point. I just explained it to you. The plastic comes off of those shoes and it goes into your fucking oil pump. Mm -hmm. Don't worry at all about the metal shoes running against the metal chain. By the time you've heard that, and I can tell you what it sounds like. I've been working on these for a long time. If you bring a Harley Davidson Twin Cam 88 to me, I can tell you the sound that it makes when the 
plastic guides are gone from the timing cam chain adjusters. The problem is the likelihood of that motor running at that moment is pretty fucking slim, considering the only thing that moves the oil from the bottom of the motor to the top of the motor is probably now full of the plastic that used to be your twin cam guides. Is there a solution? Yes. You're not going to want to pay for it. You can remove the entire chain-driven cam assembly and replace it with a gear-driven cam assembly. That's going to be in the neighborhood of $1,200 to $1,500. There's a cheaper version, and the cheaper version is you can go to hydraulically adjusted timing cam chain tensioners. That's going to be about $900 plus labor. Are you going to want to put that kind of money into a bike whose Kelly Blue Book value is about $4,000 at this point? Well, don't Probably forget, not. Remember when we talked about this a couple of years ago? Yep. And I don't remember who Johnny they- Chrome was one of the best ever people to talk and pull that episode up. We'll figure it out. He did a great job of illustrating in words that people can understand why twin cam 88s are not to be purchased. Well, even went beyond that because remember he said like even if you fixed it and you did Mm -hmm. one of the solutions that you Mm -hmm. just mentioned, that unless you take apart that whole motor, that there's a lot of hidden pieces of plastic in it that can resurface at any other time. Swarf, exactly. Swarf will come back and bite you in the ass, even though you've tried to be a good owner and got a bike that only had 5,000 miles on it. And when you pulled the timing cam chain adjusters out, they still had a lot of that plastic on them. You're like, oh, that's pretty good. But they had a lot of plastic was gone too. Mm -hmm. And that plastic has gone into your oil passageways. And anybody who does these motors, there's a $3,000 kit that will actually fix the motor correctly, which will give you a stronger oil pump and give you bigger oil passageways that will make a twin cam 88 motor last a good fucking long time. This particular era that you're looking at, 1998 to 2007, if you see the words 88 or 96, 96s aren't too bad. 88 cubic inch motors, though, are to be fucking strongly avoided. I have a 103 that is from, you know, 2010 or 11 or 12. Completely bulletproof. Awesome, great motor. Never going to give you a hint of a problem. It's got a six-speed transmission. In the area that you're looking, this is where we get a lot of people calling the shop and saying, hey, do you guys work on Harleys? (laughs) Because they just got off the phone with Rock and Roll Harley-Davidson, or they just got off the phone with Santa's. They've called three or four different shops, and the number that has been told to them to fix their problem is astronomical. Well, and that's the thing. So, like, if you notice, yeah. and a lot, the reason that a lot of people like these years of Harleys is because when you go on all the marketplaces and Craigslist, oh, these are the affordable ones. They're yes. Cheap. And the ones that are really affordable means that the dude that bought it before you already had this problem and he didn't fix it, and that's why the bike's two thousand dollars now. And so, you're what, like, oh, which Harley model was he saying he look? He was looking at. He's looking at an Ultra. He's looking at an Ultra. He's looking at an Ultra. I so, have a- Ultras and FLH. So, Electric Glide Ultra Classic, and a little bit about how how Harley does their shit is when you see the word Electric Glide, yeah. that means it's the largest frame. Yeah. So, that's the large law enforcement frame. It's not the soft tail. It's not the fat boy. It's not the soft tail classic. Many, 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 many Harley Davidson are soft tails. That's fine. You look at the back, you don't see shock absorbers. If you see a smaller style, sportier style Harley Davidson, you see shock absorbers, that's a Dyna or some version of a Dyna. If you see uh, big fucking shocks in the back and you see big fucking legs on the front, that's an Electroglide or some version of an FL. And that's going to be your large law enforcement or super cruiser style Harley Davidson. I've had a bunch of them. I love them dearly. I can also tell you, I have been personally burned by two Harley Davidson twin cam 88s 
that the person looked me in the face, handed me a stack of receipts and said, I have done the Screaming Eagle kit, the conversion kit to gear drive this son of a bitch. So it is bulletproof now. And I gave them some money for the motorcycle and within a thousand miles of owning it, the heat that the motorcycle was producing was only explainable by a motorcycle that wasn't getting oil to the top end of the engine. Hmm. And I was able to liquidate that motorcycle and get it out of my hands before it became a catastrophic failure. Because I do believe that that motorcycle had catastrophically failed once already. Now, the reason I bring this up, Harley Davidson did do a recall, an actual God's honest NHTSA recall on this this problem. They admitted to it. Now, good luck you finding the Harley dealer that will do the job. Hmm. I looked it up today. So today I thought about that. I found the recall. I looked up, I pulled a VIN out of the ether that is a bike that I know was affected by this recall because I owned it. I pulled it up and I looked it up and there is a recall in place for the motorcycle in question. I called three Harley Davidson dealers and said, will you recall this bike? Will, if I bring this into you, will you do the recall on the bike? And each one of those three Harley Davidson dealers said, absolutely not. Under any circumstances, <laughs> wow. would they... Now, you know if you have a Ford that has a recall, if you have a Toyota that has a recall, I got a recall on a fucking power window mirror or power window motor on a Toyota I don't even own anymore. And they send me a slip that says, oh, by the way, your Tundra has a recall on a power window motor, right? And I know damn well if I take it into Toyota, they're going to fix it. Yeah. No doubt. No. I called Harley-Davidson on a motorcycle that I had evidence had a recall. I gave them the VIN. They asked me, and I said, yeah, so when can I bring this in and have you guys address that? Oh, it's over 10 years old and we're not touching it. Mm. We're not touching it. And I said, well, you have to touch it. It's a recall. It's literally got the word. You're a dealer and it's a recall. So federally, you have to do that. And they said, no, it's over 10 years old. We don't have to do anything. Mm. I looked it up. They're right. They're not right. Okay. But they're willing to pay the lawyers to defend themselves. Yep. So be aware, just because there's a recall that says that this problem might be addressed by your Harley dealer, make sure you get a Harley dealer that says they're going to cover it in writing before you go buying a motorcycle. This, this particular, Phil is not wrong for wanting an Electroglide. He's not. I own one. They're well, fucking great motorcycles. Anybody who wants to ride my Electroglide is more than welcome to take it out. A Road King Police Edition is a really nice motorcycle to ride around on. It really is. It gives you a feeling like nothing else. You're California touring. It's To me, they're, they're very similar. These two motorcycles give you the feeling of a big, strong motorcycle. A big, strong, heavy presence of a motorcycle. They both do. I rode the new BMW R18. It feels the same. It's got that feeling to it. It's got that like, wow, this is really a big honking motorcycle. It does. It feels great. Uh, But I'm not telling him he's wrong. I get all those things. There are sensations and feelings that I get riding my Road King that I don't get on other motorcycles that are emulating a Road King. The Yamaha that I had, you know, the Yamaha... uh, Roadliner is arguably a much better street glide than any Harley Davidson ever produced. 
Um, or it's arguably a better ultra than any Harley ever produced. But the Harley still feels better. The Harley feels better at being a Harley. He's not wrong. Wanting to go from a Japanese, a 91 of all things, a 91 Virago 750. Well, yeah, I mean, the first thing I'm thinking of, because he's talking about Viragos anyway, yeah. is, is the, the Voyager as it is, the 1700. Yes, or any road liner, yeah. any street liner, yeah. or any of those. Any the, bit, the VTX 1800 with a big dash. They're or, amazing bikes. Yeah. They're amazing. And you're not going to have that problem that no. with a twin cam. No, you're, you're going to go right yeah. into the same thing yeah. you know now, which is Dude. turnkey push button <clears throat> ride bike. Or yeah. if he's yeah. looking at, so like um, just from what he was saying, the mm-hmm. year range, I'm saying his price range is probably four to six, maybe yeah. around there. Which, yeah. which is not a bad price yeah. range to be in. Dude, so I mean, like it depends. And like if you just want that feeling and you want a big bike that's nice. Yeah. My V Star, the V Star I had was amazing. Oh, yeah. Bike, yeah. I mean, when I say roadliner, what I'm yeah. doing is shorthand for a very particular V Star. No, but I'm yeah. saying like yeah. like for cheap, like actual right. V Stars, which actually yeah. went up to before they oh, became yeah, the yeah. roadliners. The, the, the Yamaha, what is it? 2008, yeah, all this stuff. They're yeah. seriously nice bikes, man. Really you can do they you can really do a thousand are. miles and not even you know, sneeze on those if, fucking bikes. If you're not like all into one, because. Owning a Harley is kind of a thing, and I get it. Yeah, yeah. I don't like yeah. it. I'm not going to be a Harley guy ever, but I get it. And if you want that feeling, I get it. But if you want a cruiser style bike, there are a lot better bikes to own than a Harley. And I mean, they can sound pretty decent now with a good oh, set yeah. of deep pipes on them and stuff. <clears throat> They're all right. All right, you guys ready for the final email today? Yeah. Yep. It is the spiritually redeeming email. Uh oh. Oh. John likes hate mail. I like spiritually <laughs> redeeming mail. Chris, or I'm sorry, Chip Bishop. Chip. Chris, you didn't get it right. Chip Bishop. Obviously a fake name. Yep. <laughs> Bishop.chip at gmail.com. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's it. Bishop.chip37985 at gmail.com. Hey, cool. fellas. Just wanted to drop a note to y'all to say thanks. I re-upped my Patreon subscription because honestly, you guys make me fucking laugh. <laughs> We make our waves laugh, too. Yeah. Well, you think I'm a fucking joke over here? My clown to you? Hey, get your shine box. My wife was recently diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Oh, God. Oh, no. And the joy in life has been sucked out of us. Yeah. Yeah. But it has brought out the fight to carry on. So when y'all are just being goofy and ridiculous, I know that behind the scenes, it is exactly what some of us listeners need. Hmm. I was just about to leave for a riding extravaganza when I learned of the accident that Grumpy Sewer Guy had. What a difficult reminder of the unexpected things that can happen. I was wondering if there was a chance to have a cameo appearance from Grumpy Sewer Guy, like by phone or something. It would be great to just hear from him in person. We're working on it. (laughs) We're working on it. John sees him at work every day. (laughs) So So, just so you know, he's going to work, okay? Uh, He's not convalescing super hard. Well, no, he was supposed to be here yesterday, except... I'm going to go on. I know. I'm going to go on, okay? (laughs) Just to keep this motorcycle related, this old California dude has two bikes. A 98 first-generation Valkyrie. I know, I know. Don't throw rocks at me. I like Valkyries. Yeah, yeah. I ride it about 5,000 miles a year to keep all those carbs clean, and it runs great. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you do. And I also have a 16 Yamaha FJR. Okay. A rock star bike. Yeah, that's a good bike. I have to admit, since I'm now in the appropriate age group, I have really been eyeing an F6B. Yeah, you are. No Mm -hmm. shit. You and me both. And an MT-09. 
Yeah. I'm surprised he's not here already. Oh, and a CBR650. Yeah, of course. And a Z900. You got to get one of those. And I think you get the point. <laughs> one of each, please. This guy's my soulmate there over you here. Go. <laughs> yeah. And they lived happily ever after. Any, anywho, thanks, fellas, for making me actually laugh out loud when things have been pretty dark oh, lately. Man. I give you guys a very heartfelt and solid three stars. There you go. (laughs) All the best. Ride safe and take chances. Chip from California. P.S. All my shitty complaints always get sent to RecycleGarage at (laughs) gmail.com. Ha ha. Just kidding. They're awesome folks, too. So uh, we're all all here here for you when uh, when your chips are down. Yeah, when your chip is down and our chip is definitely down. So this is one of those things that got me in the feels today. Mm -hmm. It got me. I I read this today and I was like, we got a podcast tonight and I want to close the podcast with this. Yep. because, yeah, life does have its moments of suck. Right. Yeah. And everybody that's been in this room has had some moments of suck. We have. Chip, we have. If we laugh, it's because it's better than crying, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we get it. Sometimes the, sometimes it becomes overwhelming, and all you can do is fucking laugh, yeah. right? Uh, it does. And what you're going through right now, man, that's some hard shit. Yeah. That is it. We're not here to make small of it. We're not here to make any big deal of it. Your partner in life is going through some fucking tough times, oh, but yeah. you're right there Absolutely. with them. So amen. Uh, that's all. That's all cool. If we can make you laugh and we can make you smile. I'll, let me try. Yeah, joke them if they can't take a fuck, right? Not a joke, but... <laughs> so, so maybe we've heard me your my joke. You no, are, no, you no, no more jokes. Have jokes. It's not a joke, but it's a funny thing. So th- we were talking about this before, but we'll they don't you know, know if it's it. funny. <laughs> <laughs> my or wife, Chip will. Yeah. I, am yeah. now, I am now the classy guy in my family as my wife has been thrown off of an airplane. Just this, yeah, this she past got, week. She got... So, okay, a little bit, a little bit of background for folks. Sleepy married up. Okay. Yeah, I did all right. That yeah, Sleepy's good. wife is beautiful. She's gorgeous. And you, you look she's, like your dog. No, I'm a troll. I understand. <laughs> she's a great mom. She's a very, very sweet human being. For the most part. However. However. Okay. Her judgment, she, is, well, her judgment is questionable. But you McDonald's. didn't get you didn't get thrown off an airplane. No. No, no, I didn't. Escorted, tell me, escorted. tell me a little bit about how your wife got thrown. And what comp? Like, how did she get thrown off an airplane? So, did she uh, shit herself in the aisle? Uh, that would have been better. Okay. So you know, she is basically Miss McDonald, meaning she has a farm. Whether or not you like it, yeah. Which I, some of it I don't mind. Some of it drives me crazy. Okay. But so she has a special needs chicken. <laughs> And the special needs chicken cannot stand up by itself. <laughs> again, again. I'd like to correct you on that, first of all. She does not have a farm. A farm raises animals and stuff for food. Right. And she money. has a sanctuary. She has a pet menagerie. She has a menagerie. She has a menagerie. She has a menagerie. So Oscar the retarded chicken. I mean, special <laughs> needs chicken. You named him Oscar? Yes, I didn't. She did. Is he from Mexico? No, not that Oscar. Settle I did. Down. I did the Oscar knows about Oscar. He oh, Oscar does know about Oscar? No resemblance, no relation. All right. So anyways, so usually if she leaves, then somebody has to take care of this fucking chicken. And it's a pain in the ass, and it's like, you know, doesn't really like anybody except for her and all this stuff. That's the one-legged one? No, this has got all the legs and all the things. But anyway, so all she dies. She got but her it's s- not on a wing. But it's not 
a hundred percent okay chicken. No, but he's like there mentally and stuff. He just can't stand up. Something Are you happened. Sure? I, I guess. He, he, okay. His, his, you haven't had him tested, Phil. Yeah, yeah. Phil, dipping get, chicken. Phil, we've gone this long. We have gone this long. I cannot say her cock can't stand up. Well, no. Yeah, he is a cock actually. All so right. So up. fair enough. So yeah, he has ED. But anyways. So she got this like little carrier thing for cats. It's a pet not, carrier. It, but it's not a plastic. It has to be like a soft bag, whatever. Yeah. She went to Florida, did the whole thing. No problems. Everything was great. Because she took the chicken. Took the chicken. Out to of Florida. I got no. the picture. Yeah. To go, that way, to go, to go deal yeah, with to her, her dead dad. Yeah, right. But that way she knew where it was. She was able to take care of it, all this stuff. So she got there. Everything's or fine. Or she got hungry and have a snack. Right, right. right. McNugget. Yeah, yeah. It's a little lunch box or box lunch. Yeah, right. But anyway, so uh, I came home Monday because I had to go to work Tuesday. And so she came home to, was supposed to come home Tuesday. And I've seen a picture. This is a Purdue white eaten chicken. Yeah, yeah. This, oh, yeah. yeah. Let's not confuse this with some glamorous, extravagant, kick ass prize trophy chicken. Uh, he's just a dude. This, no, this is a food chicken. Yeah, yeah. I've seen food chickens. Yeah, yeah. He's just a, a Rhode Island one. red. Yeah. No, this is not a Rhode Island yeah, red. This, no. is, this is a Purdue a, white. This is not a floor yeah, clay. Yeah. This is, this is, this a is too much breast, not enough legs. No. Yeah. So, so. Uh, she says, did you get home okay? I'm like, yeah. And I may or may not have flown with a lot of things that might get you arrested. Yeah. And there might have been a dog that kind of came toward me, but B was with me, so he went away, and that was fine. So that was cool. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> so I said, yes, I'm home. Everything's cool. You know, yeah, right on with that. Yeah. She goes, okay, well, I'm getting on the plane in five minutes, and uh, I'll call you anything. And I was, I was about to leave, or I was, I set my thing to leave because I had to go pick her up at the airport, right? Yeah, right, right. So right. I got a couple hours. Right. So You I, know that in two and a half hours, she's going to be in Cleveland. Yep, and I'm going to get yeah, her. Yeah, right. So B's, it was all going to work out. B's coming home from school. I'm going to grab Perfect. her, jump in the car. We're going to go get mom, right? Oh, it's going to be great. Just as I'm getting in the Triumphant car. Triumphant return, chicken and all. Everybody. Just as I'm getting in the car to go get her. Yeah. I get a text. I'm not on the plane. Uh-oh. And I'm like, what do you mean you're not on the plane? You're supposed to be landing in five minutes. Right. And she goes, I will tell you later. <gasps> and I said, Uh-oh. okay. And so later comes, and she goes, oh, I said, I'm not going to the airport. She goes, don't go to the airport. That was it. I'll talk to you later. Bye. She was very, very. That is nowhere near enough information. She was very terse in her, not yeah. towards me, but just in general. In right? general. Was she in a foul mood? Foul mood. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Pete, that was good. Only so, our ten dollar and above <laughs> Patreons are going to get okay. that particular joke. So I get the call later on, and she said, uh, "You know, everything was going fine. You know, people were in the thing, waiting room, and talking to her and stuff. And, oh, it's a chicken. Yeah, it's cute. Haha, whatever." So she she's getting on the plane, and there was a, a very large, uh, very just fragrantly, frag not fragrantly. Uh, Flay, flagrantly yes. gay. The, the term is flamboyant. You can use two words. You can use flamboyant or yeah. fabulous. Yes. F- both, all that. Okay, all the. Us. But those are the two authorized words. Okay, okay. Yeah. This was in a positive way, though. This whatever. Just, That's why yeah. I use those two right. words. Okay, right. Okay, perfect. Right. right. Super. Just you know, whatever. And he's like, "Oh, what kind of a cat do you have in the bag?" Oh, and and believe she said, me, <laughs> right? She said, "Why well, no? It's it's a cock." <laughs> And it was in a sack? Did he accuse her of being a cocksacker? No, no, but she said, after the fact, she realized how that could have come off in the wrong way. But she was just trying to say it's a cock. So he's no, like, really? It's and a so cock. She opens it and looks, and, and he was like, oh, oh, it's a, it's, it's a, actually a cock. And she was like, yeah. And he goes, okay. Would you like to pull it out? No, no, no. So she just went to her seat and sat down. And she right. goes, more people were getting on. And the, the captain said, all right, buckle your seatbelts. And all of a sudden, the, the motor shut off. 
And the dude came back and said, come with me, ma'am. And she was like, what's the problem? He goes, uh, you are not uh, allowed to fly with that. We have to ask you off the plane. Hmm. Now, what he didn't know. It's just a very rare lunch. No, what he didn't know is that she corresponded with the airline beforehand and got approval for everything. Would you say she had her ducks in a row? She had her ducks in a row, exactly. Well, because there, there are rules about transporting poultry right. and, across and, and state lines. And there, there literally are. No, I know, but I she, mean, did she get cocky with them or anything? A little bit. The best part is going to be him having to bleep out this entire five minutes of us telling jokes. Yeah, not at all. For anybody no, under ten dollars. No. <laughs> But so anyways, <laughs> these are free. These are free. So so she gets off the plane and everybody's being a dick to her, right? And she's just like, "You guys approve this?" And they're like, "Prove it." So she whips out her phone and pulls out all this shit, and all, all this sudden, correspondence. And all of a sudden, the tone changes, and they go, "Oh, well, let's get you back on the plane." And at that point, the guy comes and said, "Nope, doors are locked. Plane's, Plane's gone." So now they're like, "Fuck." So they're like, "Well, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna go ahead and get you a hotel room, and we're gonna get you a flight tomorrow." And so she's like, "Great." And she goes, make sure the hotel is pet compliant. Well, yeah, because I would rub it in at this point, too. Yeah, right? Make yeah. sure that, so, make sure that flight you, tomorrow is first you, class also. Hey, Phil, would you rub in your cock? No, but no, I, but so so they get her to this hotel. And I wouldn't she, just peck around about it. I, so, I, no, dude, they get yeah. her to the hotel by the, yeah. the airport, and they get her a ride to the hotel. And then when she gets there, the dude says, this is a no pet hotel. And so then she gets the dude from Continental, and Continental tells the guy, and she can hear him, and Continental says, you're Oh, you mean look- United. United, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Right. You're showing uh, your age. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, United, and uh, they said, you know, the guy on the phone told the guy, like, you're going to forget that she has that and let her into the room. Who pays every fucking, like, because yeah, they send you send all the guaranteed people. business. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely right, guaranteed right. business you, coming out of there at airport. Yeah. You, you didn't see her cock. So, wow. But, yeah, so then she came home next day on the flight, no big deal. But I was like, you was can't Was that let- Tampa? No, it was uh, Orlando or whatever. No, what is WSB fucking whatever? I have no it's idea. It's by Naples, Florida. Okay, so yeah, you lost me after that. Yeah, yeah. I, don't know, I only know two two airports in yeah, it's Florida. Ter- yeah. Terrible area. World but Sport just as, Bike but, Airport. Yeah. But yeah, but she she finally <laughs> got. So now airport. my wife has the, the in the family. She is the more corrupt one as she's been thrown off an airplane. The FAA has her on a list now of somebody that has been thrown off of an airplane. Okay, but also if you would like to have. On board Acc- free accommodations. Yeah. For the price of a chicken. Pack yeah. a pack a chicken, chicken, man. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> not her, for nothing. And to her defense, needs chicken. Oscar's pretty fucking quiet, and she said he didn't make a peep the whole time. No, very funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like he doesn't like like the other fucker in the back, that motherfucker crows all day long. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I have been on the airplane with some, you know, special needs dogs, some yeah. service, some quote emotional support dogs. That were just straight up fucking vicious, weird oh, yeah. animals that were like broken. I was on a plane with in Honduras with many chickens at one point. Yeah, but, but that was bad. just literally <laughs> lunch. Yeah, that was just how it went. I've been in I've flown in parts of the world like that yeah. too, where it's just like, yeah, we're bringing this because yeah. I'm taking my family dinner and a goat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. But like, but the the serious thing is, okay, one, they had to pay for they had to pay for a hotel room. Hotel room. And a hotel room at the last second is gonna be three hundred bucks, no right. matter who you are. And she got first class. And on she the got home. first class on the next leg of the flight coming home. Yep. And the flight had to shoot out with an extra seat on it that they weren't planning on. Right. So literally that guy, that that crew member that made the decision to be like, This is where I'm gonna flex. Right. I'm gonna flex on the chicken. Right. I'm gonna flex on the chicken. And here's the thing. The only and reason that, 
The probably only, backfired on it, him it a little, a little bit. bit. I would and, might even say he laid an egg. Right. <laughs> and the only reason I mentioned that he was gay is because of the cock part of it. Because then that that because she really didn't realize she was just like, yeah, it's my cock. And you know, well, that plays into the story why that would be a little more funny, I guess. Well, also true, but again, yeah, choose your battles. Yeah, right. You got somebody if you have somebody with a pet carrier and you don't know what's in the pet carrier, just let it slide. Let it slide. Yeah, let it slide. I don't want to know about your emotional support skunk or like whatever the fuck you got going on in there, right? Well, she did say that like people booed when they took her off. Like the people around her were amused, but like they liked the chicken. Like they were cool with it. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so that's yeah. kind of funny. I mean, so hopefully that brought a smile to our buddy's face. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty. <laughs> getting, booted up, getting booted off the airport. Yeah. Unregistered poultry. A solid five minute of cock jokes. Got to bring smiles to someone's yeah. face. Yeah. And she yeah. didn't even have her cock out. She, no, she didn't. <laughs> she kept it away. She kept her cock well hid. That's right. And that's the problem is if you don't ask to see a cock, <laughs> nobody, you know, nobody's going to have a problem with it. Have a problem. But when you ask to see, dude, I, show me your cock. Show me your cock. Yeah. You get what's coming to you at that point. Especially if you a get special needs up, cock. Now, that's the other thing. Don't ever ask to see special needs no. cock. It was a yeah. Peroni's cock. It was you don't, to the left. And you, it don't even need it. you don't even need to see that. You don't need to know about that. No, no, no. don't sweat it. All right. Anybody got something else? I'm out. On beha- I, and, and a little respect to Will Stoner because. Will Stoner, I, I have to say, remember, ride fast, take chances. I stole that. Mm-hmm. I know we say it all the time, but I stole that from Will Stoner because it did come back up. And somebody was like, oh, and in case you were for, in case you forgot, I will give credit where credit's due. Ride fast and take chances came from Will Stoner, a, a hero, a local hero, a man among men in the motorcycle community here in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, that shout out to you, Will because I have been riding your fucking coattails on Ride Fast, Take Chances for a long time. So, Johnny Mac... Is asleep. <laughs> Perfectly on cue! <laughs> that was really good! <laughs> All right, Johnny Mac, play us on! Best narcoleptic man in casting!